Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark. Today I'm talking with fellow podcaster Stephen Farshid, co-host of Smorgasbord Podcast. Stephen, how you doing, man? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me on the show. I'm a longtime listener. I'm glad that you're back at it, and I'm glad to be back or to be on it. Yeah, I'm stoked to talk to you, man. Uh, we briefly talked at C2E2, and uh, I made a mental note. I was like, this guy talks really well. <laughs> and then hearing you do, uh, do different podcasts, I was like, oh, yes, we got to get you on here. So uh, this has been a long time coming. I'm stoked to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, coming from you, that's a huge compliment. Obviously, I'm I'm a fan. I, <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I heard you and Neil talking last time, and I was just like, man, this is just this is just porn for the ears. Man, I don't even care what you guys were talking about. Something about socialism, I would imagine. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Neil's great. Yes, and now I've I've once again collected the whole set. <laughs> I've had both hosts of Smorgasbord on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't happen to be one of our like three listeners, do you? <laughs> Well, I was telling Neil, like, hey, I'm going to listen to this. And he's like, oh, it's a recap show. And so then I was like, okay, yeah. maybe I should not listen to it. So yeah. um, I'll, I'll probably just wait until you cover something that um, that I've seen. Because, um, yeah, you, you obviously being a big Star Trek fan, um, I, I feel um, like I don't remember a time that Star Trek wasn't in my life. But, like, I wouldn't describe myself as, like, a like an uber fan of Star Trek. But, like, I would always describe Star Trek as something that I like. Yeah, if you listen to the show ever, you could probably find out that I'm not like an Uber fan. Like I, 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 I love it, but I don't have the knowledge of somebody that I would consider an Uber fan. Like like Neil, I mean, I, I can name a, a a specific part for an episode that aired in the 60s. And he'll be like, oh, that's uh, season one, episode seven, written by – like, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's – well, you know, there's super fans and then there's walking encyclopedias. <laughs> yeah. They don't yeah. necessarily have to be one and the same, right? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm I'm lucky to have him on the show because he he knows everything. And I don't know very much, but I do know that 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 I've seen all of it and I've enjoyed all of it. So, um, and it, the themes are just they're kind of timeless, and it, it seems to be always relevant for the time. Like no matter when you're talking about it or watching it, it's just relevant. So, I mean, that, it's pretty powerful to have a, to have a show that. Just supposed to be some cheesy sci-fi show that actually still has that kind of impact, you know, 50, 60 years later after the creation. So, yeah, yeah, good, powerful themes. And like, I love what I've seen of uh, Next Generation, like uh, Picard. I'm, I'm such a huge fan of that character. Yeah, man, there's so many good examples of of characters on that show. And, uh, you know, Picard, when, when, they, when they came out with the Next Generation, I mean, you can imagine the fan backlash. You know, from people that were just diehard, you know, Kirk people and everything. And I, you know, it's really, really quite an accomplishment that after seven seasons and all these years later, like Picard and, and Kirk, I mean, they're neck and neck. You can make arguments, you know, on both sides. Personally, I'm I'm a next gen person. That's that's where I started. So Picard will always be my, you know, number one, you know. So, um, you know, followed very closely by Janeway. But we could turn this into a Voyager podcast if we want, but I don't want to bore you <laughs> or your audience to tears. But. See, I don't know if I've ever seen a single episode of Voyager. Yeah, I, I definitely don't recommend you start there. <laughs> you know that. what I mean? Yeah, I definitely don't <laughs> recommend you, you go in from half-ass watching Next Generation just right into Voyager. But uh, once you get a better, bigger picture, I, I highly recommend you giving it a shot. So. Nice. Yeah. 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 And like I said, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm definitely open to the content. I like the, I like the IP anymore. It just seems like it's, it's an issue of time. 
It's like, when, sure, when, sure. when do you watch all this stuff? There's so much good content out there. I mean, it's definitely the golden age of, of, of new content for, for TV shows. I mean, <laughs> it has to be, you know, move. I mean, movies, you know, they're, they're always, there's movies, but like, there's no time like the present when it comes to new, just quality, quality, quality TV programming. Yeah. Qu- quality of what's out there, like scope of what's out there is just so much. And then the accessibility to mm-hmm. so much of it, you know, with, with everything being digital. Um, that's the one thing I remind my kids all the time. Like it, w- whenever they have moments of being impatient, you know, I have my 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 back in the day stories of the kids. Or, oh, my day, we had to sit through the commercials, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you had to right. actually wait for your show to be on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you guys have no idea how good you got it just being able to pick up a remote and literally cycle through every Star Wars, every MCU movie. You know, just so much shit, and it's just you can just watch it over and over again, pause it whenever you want. Man, you hit the nail on the head. It is it is a golden age for that sort of entertainment right now. I will tell you though, I really like this 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 kind of almost a correction. You know, when Netflix came out, everything was binge, binge, binge. Give me all the content. Let me eat it up right now and just this afternoon. You know, just shut my windows, make sure it's really dark and cold in my house, and just watch all eight, eight episodes of this, of this thing. But it seems to have started to correct itself with this week to week release schedule, and I think it's the best of both worlds now. I, agree. I mean, perfectly. I mean, that anticipation, that chance to like digest what you saw. And of course, you know, with WandaVision, I don't know if you're a current watcher of oh, WandaVision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just so much fun to speculate. And then, you know, of course, the MCU is such a giant world now. And really, 20 years, we can look back and think, wow, those first 10 years were awesome and amazing. There was 23 movies, but. And properties, but between 2020 and 2040, there was 108 properties. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and it's like it's like we have only have just begun. Hopefully, in the MCU, and it's just so much fun to speculate week to week right now, and and just think about the future and what connectivity ahead to the past of the MCU. Dude, 100. percent I I absolutely agree with that take. There is yeah. going to be so much more content coming. I mean, the first 10 years, it does seem like it, like, wow, that was a lot. But I mean, mm-hmm. just what we saw at that Disney investors meeting, Jesus. the announcements coming to that, holy shit. And then all the stuff coming to HBO Max, you know, th- this year also. And whoa, pretty exciting yeah. times for streaming oh, television, so man. It's so much. And then I, I'm really lucky that, that I had a, a decent side collection as a kid of comic books and I kept them all, and over the years I've stayed in that hobby because, man, I mean, explosion of interest and, and let's face it, value uh, of all these books that I've hung around with, and and it's just such a fun hobby to 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 dig through and speculate on what's coming and pick up things for a dollar that turns out being being worth a hundred or two hundred dollars oh, because nice. there's a there's a movie announcement that shows up or a character that eventually shows up. It's just fun, man. There's just so much fun to be had now. And I know it's hard to say that coming off, you know, 2020 and obviously still continuing this nightmare situation that we're in, but there's other aspects of, of, of our current times that are just the, like the golden era of, 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 of fun and, and entertainment. Uh, and I'm really thankful for it because without that, imagine I've gone through this pandemic without being in the golden age of accessibility and, and awesome content. 
Oh yeah, how, dude. How would how things how different things would have been, right? I was thinking something kind of tangential to that earlier. I was thinking, would The Shining still happen if they would have had all of today's like in-house mm-hmm. entertainment that people have been like all the different things people have been using to like get through quarantine, whether it's you know just browsing the internet, Reddit, that sort of shit, um, uh, video games, uh, talking like Animal Crossing, even mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, digital library, all that sort of stuff. Would The Shining still happen, or would they just be too entertained to lose their fucking minds? <laughs> yeah, it's true. As long as they have internet access, <laughs> you know what I mean. I, I guess they can still make it, make it, and make sure that somehow that there was not, you know, GPS or global internet satellite. But as, yeah, as long as they had the internet access, no, everybody would have been fine in the house. As many people has been on quarantine for the last year. I mean, how many people Jack Torrance to their families? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out down the road that it was more than we thought. But as as of right now, I haven't heard too many of those horror stories. <laughs> they still haven't found the bodies. Yeah. I mean, I would have not to bring this show down, but I mean, I would imagine they'll be doing studies, you know, years from now about, you know, some reports and things that had happened during 2020 of, of, of you know, hey, let's look at the statistical numbers of certain crimes that were reported during this time and 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 see what the effect of the quarantine was. You know, it'll be fascinating to to see what it you know what came from that. That is true. When history does kind of look back on that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I, I like stopped myself. I was like, "You're not going to start talking politics." <laughs> no, <laughs> like, shut yeah, the no. fuck up, Stark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, I, I don't think I can go toe to toe with you on politics, but I mean, <laughs> just on the surface and and statistics wise, and you know, and it's not just all bad. It's you know, there, there's lots of probably lots of creative art that started budding during this time that we won't even get to see the realization on, you know, two or three years from now. I mean, how many awesome pieces of novels and and works that will probably come out within the next, you know, couple of years or the next year that, 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 that started in, in this 2020 when people's much creative, much more creative and smarter people than myself started sitting at home with a lot of time on their hands and their minds just, just, just started working. And, and, you know what I mean? And then we got to see yeah. the fruits of that, you know, in 2022 or whatever, you know? That's really cool. I hadn't really given much thought to that, but I think you're absolutely right, is that there's a lot of that potential that's out there that, you know, right now it's like we're, it's it's just potential energy and we just need to mm-hmm. wait and, and see what comes of it. Um, but, dude, you, I'd never even thought of that. I, I really like that angle on it. Well, I mean, you know, you, you're writing a book, right? <laughs> I mean, this is true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I've I've turned a lot of my, um, I mean, I can't really call it stuck inside because a lot of it is me choosing to be inside. Mm-hmm. But it's like uh, with that comes like a certain anxiousness of you, know, you can only wander around a fucking uh, single level ranch home so many times <laughs> before you're like, <laughs> fuck, man. <laughs> yeah, but think about it. Like you know, okay, so you are writing a book and 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 take this quarantine thing out of it. Like whenever it comes out you might've been thinking about those themes and those characters 20 years before the, 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 the novels published. Yeah. So and in this case, I really was, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> and, 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 and just think about that. Like 2020 could have just planted a lot of seeds for people that we won't see the results of for, for maybe even 10 more years. But still, I think we're about to see almost really a renaissance or an explosion, you know, 10, five, 10 years from now where we're going to see a lot of really good stuff to come out. And and a lot of that, those seeds that that started growing were planted and sowed in 2020. 
nice. Yeah, and, yeah. and as long as it's not content that that like involves a quarantine, I'm down for it. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no <laughs> movies with Anne Hathaway stealing jewelry during a quarantine. And really, the only difference in the whole show is that they have to wear a mask when they're out. <laughs> you know, that's then, their extent of of creativity during quarantine movies. Didn't Michael Bay release some trailer from some like? you know, doomscape fucking future where, you know, quarantine's gone crazy. And I mean, if you're asking about Michael Bay, you, you might be asking the wrong guest, man. I, Same I, here. <laughs> I, I like, I loved, I loved, uh, um, boys. What was the one with the Will Smith and the, I don't even know the title of it anymore. Bad boys. Exactly. I love bad boys. Love it. Love it. Love it. But other than that, man, I, I that's not my style. <laughs> Dude, Six Underground, I think that one with, with Ryan Reynolds, it was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I've tried watching that three times, and I can't. Me too. I, I, I make it to about where, like, I get through that whole beginning sequence. Mm-hmm. and then Which I'm is like, a very long beginning sequence. Very long beginning sequence. But every time, I'm by the time I get done with all that, I'm like, I'm this was, I don't even fucking care yeah. anymore. <laughs> and I just and- shut it off. <laughs> And I'm a married man, but I you put Ryan Reynolds on the screen. There's just you know what I'm saying. Like there's just I I I, I want to just gobble it up everything that you put up there. And and I mean he is very yeah. easy on the eyes. Yeah, he is, and and everything about him, his personalities, is all this stuff. And and I want to watch that movie because I I want all the content from Ryan Reynolds I can get, but I, I can't do it. I can, I just can't. I just so I'm so bored. I mean, how many times am I going to go check my phone? while watching a movie and it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, 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 if I'm on like the three phone check situation and we're still 25 minutes, into it, it's time to turn the thing off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. With, and with me having, you know, kids in the house and stuff, there's just certain, like if it's TVMA, I'm not watching that in the living room when my kids are mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. And, and anymore. It's like my, my oldest kid just turned 13 and like, he's a night owl. Like most of the time he's going to stay up later than I am. <laughs> so if like I am watching something TVMA, that means I'm watching it in my room. And mm. if I'm the only one watching it, that means I, 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 there's like a certain level of guilt that comes along with that. Sure. Where it's like I'm just sitting here by myself ignoring my family watching this movie that only I give a shit about. Well, let's take your family out of the equation. And, and when we say, well, you should be guilty, feel guilty about watching something like this when there's so much better content out there. <laughs> See, and that's the way, <laughs> it, it, I, you know, when you can't change the situation, you got to change the way you think about the situation. And I really like what you're doing here, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just, I, mean, I you hear people talking about it. It's just, it's too, there's just too much stuff to waste it on stuff like that. So. I just I just move right on. You know, I don't I I don't have kids, but I also have a limited amount of time because my wife doesn't watch a lot of the things that I watch. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of WandaVision, she just caught me watching like episode three randomly, and she's like, "Oh, this is fucking fascinating." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I've been watching this shit for the last ten years. Like, <laughs> welcome." But then I know that the minute like Age of Ultron comes on, she's like, "Oh, fuck, fuck this," and just turn around and walk walk out of the room. But we went yeah. back and watched, you know, episodes one through three with her, and she was like, "This is awesome." She's like, "And it sucks because I'm so invested in this, but I know that the minute it turns into actual superhero stuff again, that I'm going to be checked out." And you know, it, did, have you seen episode four yet? Oh yeah, yeah, we watched yeah. it last night. Um, yeah, so she's she's going to be out on episode four because it's too much connected to the rest of the MCU for her to really care about. 
Yeah. It, it, like it, episode four was great. It, if you have that connection or if you know like these certain things from the comics mm-hmm. and exactly, and it's just like, Oh, like, but then again, you know, my kids are stoked on it. So maybe that's what made the difference, but they don't have a lot of that deep knowledge. But mm. then again, I guess I did spend a lot of time pausing it and kind of explaining to explaining them it. like the significance of what was going on. So no, Again, yeah. valid point. I'm telling you what, dude. I think from now on, you're going to be getting texts from me before I have to make life decisions. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Steve. Joe, I'm, I'm Steve, here to tell you that that's what? probably a terrible idea, sir. <laughs> I don't know. So far, you're hitting 100%. Granted, we're only 16 minutes in or so. so. <laughs> really? Only 16 minutes? I thought we were wrapping it up. <laughs> yeah, there is time. You're right. I, I, I should shut it down now because if I'm batting 1,000 now, <laughs> there's no way to, nowhere to go but down from here. Somebody had texted me about that way back in the day saying that they wanted to have the shortest start cast episode or maybe it was something I talked about on the episode. I don't remember at this point. What but, is your typical episode length, by the way? Oh, anywhere from two to three hours. Holy shit. I didn't know what I was committing to. <laughs> but I mean, quite honestly, dude, I mean, I've had episodes that are as short as an hour. It, it really doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, in, you know, if you've got stuff going on or you're just I like, don't. I you're don't. just like, I was, holy shit, man. I mean, come on. I took on. an opportunity to, to, to take a jab. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, just, I, the, I cleared my day and I'm very excited about this. So it can go on as long as, as long as you can go, I can go. I think the longest one I did was, um, one of the early episodes I had um, Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers on, uh-huh. and me and him talked for like five and a half hours, and when there was not even any breaks, no pee breaks, nothing. My goodness. That's it was impressive. insane. <laughs> like, it was a yeah. really, really long uh, conversation. And I've all, I always wanted, I always get jealous when I hear these people like Brian particularly say how, how drunk he is at the current moment, and I'm like, man, that would be so fun to get drunk. And podcast, but I just I have to pee too often. Oh, dude, there's a episode I did with Matt Kirby where I swear I had to take five pee breaks, and like he was just making fun of me. Eventually, like, what is wrong with you, dude? But that's I mean that's that's the reality for me. I unless I could do I don't know if the acoustics are right, but if I could do like a setup in the restroom, you know what I mean. So I'm just right there, and I just have to mute while I go, and then just unmute and start talking again. But it's it's that level. Of of uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, being a chubby guy, I guess there's more pressure on my bladder. That's what my <laughs> wife tells me. She's a nurse, so I don't know. She probably just makes the shit up. But <laughs> she just I, found like a way to scientifically shame you for being fat. <laughs> oh, constantly. No, honestly, that's not completely opposite. By the way, she is the most like body positive person you, there could be. Like, I'll come out of the shower and. And just just my my least flattering position at all, and she'd just be in the background looking at me, going, "Yes." So, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what she sees in me, but I'm very, very lucky. So <laughs> I have that exact same thought about my own life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy, it's oh, funny. Bro. Yeah, feel free to message me anytime, man. Of course, <laughs> I, like I said. I hope I'm like the tiebreaker, though. I'm not, I'm not just the like the breaker. one and only. Yeah. Like, all right. I reached out to Neil. <laughs> I, t- I talked to my parents. <laughs> my wife said this. What, what do you think? All right. <laughs> uh, so before we started recording, we were talking for a little bit. And we started talking about something that I found insanely fascinating. And it's your obsession with new Coke. 
and, yeah, and everything around it. And I was like, I stopped you and I was like, dude, we've got to talk about this on the podcast because this is some pretty interesting stuff. Um, <clears throat> but basically what you had told me and th- that I didn't know was that new Coke was designed to fail in an effort to boost sales of original Coke. Yeah. I mean, that's not written anywhere, but if you look at all the things, I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't have a Charlie level conspiracy theory board behind me with like yarn, you know, attaching certain pictures and times and places. But really, if you look at this stuff, new Coke was on the shelves for 86 days. They spent a, a ridiculous amount of time and money and effort and resources to design this new uh, Coke. Uh, and uh, if you look back to the reason behind it, why were they doing it? Why were they, if if I ask a younger person than me right now, hey, have you ever heard of new Coke? You know, maybe twenty percent say yes, and then at those twenty percent, I say, well, what is it? The answer is that they don't even know. And the whole point of new Coke was the fact that. Coke had experienced a ridiculous market share compared to Pepsi for most of its life. By the way, I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and it is the – even though most people think it's Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee is the home of Coca-Cola. Oh, it was nice. the very – yeah, the very first pla- place it was ever bottled. So anyway, um, since the 1920s when it, when it was – when it was uh, excuse me, 1900 – when, when they first started doing it since then and in the inception of Pepsi years later, they have they had like an 80 percent to 20 percent market share of, of, of the cola industry versus you know those two companies. By the time the 80s came around, they were 50/50. And that was unacceptable. and I don't know you know you're not old enough to remember, but the Pepsi taste challenge oh, I remember what, that I was born oh, in 1980. Oh, okay. Never mind. I thought I'm you were 40. at least. Oh, <laughs> I'm forty. I thought bro. you were like six or seven years younger than me. Oh, never mind. So you know the Pepsi challenge. Oh, I remember the Pepsi challenge. Yeah, and it's also even a, a term that was used for thirty years later. Like, oh, well, you're going to take the Pepsi challenges on that? Exactly. No, that, that, that is a euphemism I use. <laughs> there you go. And the whole point was a blind taste test: taste this, taste that. Which one do you like better? And the answer was almost all overwhelmingly Pepsi. And it was just a sweeter formula. And they started losing major market share. Well, they said, okay, well, what are we going to do? And they made a new Coca-Cola formula. Okay. So they spent this time and this research and this effort. They made this formula. It, uh, it, 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 it tasted, it was sweeter. And, and people liked it for the most part. But what happened was, and, my theory, and it's a popular theory, was that the nostalgia from missing Coke, the original Coke, was so great. And it started this – this this was like one of the first like viral things, you know, like before there was such thing as the internet or Reddit or Twitter or whatever, that people started writing in letters and getting together and the, the steam started rolling. This is like the original Snyder Cut. You know, where it's like, <laughs> we're going to make of Coca-Cola. <laughs> exactly. We're going to make a change. And after 86 days of them taking the original formula off the market and replacing it with new Coke, they pulled new Coke and, re- and brought back what we now call Coca-Cola classic. Here's the difference. Here's the thing. Here's the whole insidious part of this, this thing. This is where the movie and everything becomes very compelling. The only difference was 
The only difference was, and I don't know, I'm going to ask you to guess, but there's no way you can get it. The only difference between the original formula and Coca-Cola Classic was the one thing they took away from New Coke and applied it to Coca-Cola Classic and reintroduced it. Can you guess what that ingredient was? Hmm. I'm going to go they, with they replaced, cane sugar or cocaine. So they replaced real cane sugar, so you're right, mm-hmm. with uh, take a guess. corn syrup? High fructose corn syrup, mm. correct. So there's the difference. In my opinion, and the opinion of lots of people, that it was all this marketing share thing, this marketing genius plan, because within three years, they're back to 90-10 market share mm-hmm. over Pepsi after this, the reintroduction of Coca-Cola Classic. And they did it by hiding this new ingredient, high fructose corn syrup, into their into – their, so they reintroduced a classic with, with, with a, a different ingredient. So I wonder if they, so basically it's like they're saying okay we need to get rid of cane sugar and switch to corn syrup people might not like that so let's make a new coke that really sucks mm-hmm. and then we'll give them the classic coke and we'll mm-hmm. we'll do the switcheroo with the sugar and the corn syrup at that point I mean, and it'll be it. so much better than new coke was but not as good as the original coke was that people will still accept it yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is genius, dude. <laughs> dude. The cost for them, I mean, from from having to to buy, because there's actually even stories about the the sugar, like the cane sugar industry, like filing lawsuits against Coca Cola because of this switch. But of Whoa. course, we we know now that that was a losing battle in the long run because once they found out how much cheaper it was to switch to high fructose corn syrup over cane sugar. Game game over, and now you've got a three hundred and fifty pound man speaking to you <laughs> on this <laughs> microphone here, and um, that is a, a child of you know the the mid eighties. That every single thing that I had had a cheaper, higher metabolistic metabolistic rate than everything else that was on the market even ten years before I was born. And then you look around this country and you see that there, this is an actual problem. This is a real serious problem. And I, I think that, that the world is starting to correct itself again. I mean I haven't eaten meat in five years. and I mean I still eat, have tons of sugar but no high fructose corn syrup. But I mean it's amazing what happened in the 80s. And I think that the story of New Coke – is is one of those major catalysts that like that really like mask what was happening in that time. And if you do some research on, I mean, it, the the movie writes itself. I mean, they they had a code name for it. It was called Project Kansas, and <laughs> awesome. people actually from Pepsi sent people to break in the Coca Cola facility, steal a six pack of New Coke, bring it back to their offices at Pepsi where they analyzed the shit out of it. The current president of Coke went to the dying president. Like, like you, you know that scene in Lebowski where, like, the big Lebowski sitting there in his wheelchair in front of his fire? Yeah. You know, and he goes to him and he talks to him and that real dramatic, like, opera music's playing? Yeah. Like, that's the exact Strong scene. Strong men cry too, Lebowski. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the exact scene I see 
with the, the, the guy who was 95 years old that was a Coca-Cola president for like 40 years sitting in front of his fireplace just waiting to die and this new president of Coke coming to him and begging him to allow him to make this change in the formula and t- trying to get his blessing. That was a real story. He went to this dying man's house to ask for his blessing to change the formula. Like this story writes itself, Joe. <laughs> wow, <laughs> it re- it really does, and there's so many like actual reaching, like like parts of it, like the the, the introduction of high cruise for course on a major American product, um, the nostalgia because like you said, and like we talked about with Stranger Things, like why was there a bunch of random new Coke products everywhere? Because people remembered that and associated that with the 80s. <laughs> you know I what I mean? They have crystal clear Pepsi in the next one. Oh God! <laughs> Do you remember that SNL skit where they had clear, they had like clear gravy? <laughs> no, no, it was like <laughs> because for a minute there, everything was 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 clear everything, <laughs> and and they they had an average, and it was the same. Uh, it was like was it a U two song? Uh, right now, hey, yes, not tomorrow. No, I think that's you Van know? Halen. Van Halen. Okay, sorry, my bad. That's the remember that was the song for Crystal Pepsi. That was like the <laughs> that was the commercial for Crystal Pepsi. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then they used that for the Crystal Gravy commercial, <laughs> which I would imagine was just Cairo syrup. If you're not from the South, but no, yeah, but I know what Cairo syrup is though. Oh, okay. You're from Iowa, right? Correct. Have ever met anybody from Iowa in my entire life? <laughs> well, you met my <laughs> wife and I at C two E two, so there's you. Go. Man, it was so brief, very brief, very brief. Yeah, yeah. We, we always just go in for the one, the one day, you know, because yeah. we're leaving the kids at home and sure and, and all that. But it would be so much fun to go for a few days. But wow, I think I'd have to maybe take a week off <laughs> <laughs> afterwards just to be able to recuperate. Uh, I think about that weekend, and I just like think about how much fun it was and i think it was extremely it, it's just been absolutely like blown to like fantasy proportions now since it was the last thing i ever did yeah. you know that was fun and social yeah yeah <laughs> i've got i've you done know, that the, a lot with it as well where i'm like you know remember back to that was the last time we really went out and had fun like normal people oh in my head and like you know in my head it was just like this two week long summer camp and there was all kinds <laughs> of activities and there was and it was like in, <laughs> Two nights, like in a hotel room. What's the big deal? But yeah. in my head, it's just been elevated to such a, an awesome level of, of fun. I really hope we get to do it again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the, well, the next time they, they're having one and it's like I, I fucking – I don't know if I'll be going to the one this year because having it in mid-December, in my opinion, is just fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean that, so I, I mean, don't know. I, I'll wait and see what happens. Right before Christmas? I yeah. Mean, no, it's just terrible. I take a lot of money with me because I, I like to, you know, you know, have some money just in case I find some good deals on comics. But how much money can you have right before Christmas when you're buying a bunch of stuff for other people? Yeah, no, that was one of the first things I thought too. Or, or how are you going to have a whole bunch of extra money to get, you know, a minimum of, you know, if you're going for the whole thing, that's a minimum of three hotel nights in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's expensive think- shit. I think we realized the the formula. I think we're just going to hang out in the lobby and buy our own bottles of liquor from now on, and that'll save a lot of costs. No, that that'll be the way to do it, especially after <laughs> the the first couple the first couple of years I went, we had the Saturday night party at that same bar that shall right. remain nameless. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this this last year, it was just 
I don't know. The, that one, like, security guy or whatever he was mm-hmm. was, like, such a fucking douchebag. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, yeah, a couple of people got way too drunk. But it's like, dude, I understand you work in a bar and you probably, like, see this shit all the time and you're totally over it. But it's like, don't forget you're dealing with human beings. And not all the people in front of you are super intoxicated. You know, let us help our friend get them out and then dude see a nano wear that dude like a fucking backpack and carry him down the stairs is one of the most incredible things i've ever seen in my life oh, instantly i thought of seagull stop it now you ever, you see that? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i could be your backpack while i run oh, <laughs> that's oh, all yeah. i see is nana just 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 hoisting him and dan ramirez like standing there as if he was actually doing anything just holding him on the side I there know. but <laughs> well yeah when we were trying to figure out how to you know, the best way to get him picked up and carried out. Dan turned to me. He's like, are you strong? And I'm like, I have two knee injuries and a shoulder injury. I'm like, I'm not going to be And those help. are stairs. <laughs> yes. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I no. I'm like, I could probably pick him up and then fall down the stairs because my knee gives out. <laughs> uh, no, that was inspiring, dude. Yeah. Nana really Pratt picked, picked up a grown man, put him on his back and walked down a giant flight of stairs outside and then set him down neatly on a freaking bus stop bench it was and that guy wasn't particularly small either that person we're talking about is not a particularly small person no i mean average size man i mean that just goes to show that like dude nana pratt is like he's a a fucking beast man (laughs) like that was so amazing yeah he's got fullback written all over him man (laughs) that was another uh real pleasure of of c2e2 was getting to meet nana pratt in person Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how often are you going to meet somebody from across the pond? You know what I mean? One of the people that you interact with a lot. And, you know, I've been on Blurds Are Us and, and I, it's, it was so funny because when I listen to Blurds Are Us, I, I have to like rewind it a couple of times because it's like four or three or four English dudes just like going at it. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah, tough. I and I was worried about that when I was on. I was like, fuck, what if I don't understand him? But like, he speaks completely different when I have to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess when he's speaking to a yank, <laughs> I guess that's what I am. I think that's what they call us, right? Uh, it could be. I mean, I suppose if they're being nice, right? <laughs> Probably much worse than things. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. That, and I'm sure they do. And they're, and they're right too. <laughs> Americans are a bunch of raw fucking cunts, eh? <laughs> exactly. And, and can you argue we are cunts, Joe? It's it, it really can't be denied. I mean, we are exactly. we're definitely leading the world in cuntiness right now. We're like a little less cunty than we were like even three weeks ago, but still, <laughs> this is very <laughs> true. Still pretty, <laughs> still pretty cunty though. <laughs> Uh, with luck, we'll just be up to this Pretty normal right level of okay, dick sure. pretty soon, you know, like <laughs> like in Team America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that's how far far from grace we've fallen. When when we can say, you know, these guys are dicks. I'm like, well, thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you. We've gone from cunt to dick, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we can just get back to asshole someday. <laughs> so, have you lived in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, your whole life? No, 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 no. I uh, I've only been here for about a year and a half. I've I've gone, I've gone ever. Florida is where I'm from, South Florida. I spent uh, in Miami when I growing up till I was 13, and then I went to Naples, which is kind of across the other side of Florida on okay. the, on the Gulf Coast. Went to high school there, and then went to college in Tallahassee, and then I moved to Vegas, and I spent. Uh, 10 years out in Vegas. Oh, my God. So you went from like crazy-ass 
Florida to crazy ass Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> wow, dude. You had to have seen some shit growing up, dude. My buddy convinced me um, that I went to college with at Florida State. He's like, yeah, you know, he was from Vegas, and he's like, dude, I, I, bought, I just bought a house and like just come out here and just like help me pay some electricity. And I was finishing my master's degree at the time, and they happened to have a program there at UNLV that I could have that I could finish in like six months. And I was like, you know what? Why not? You know. So I packed my stuff and I. I went out to Vegas and I'm like, I'm going to finish this degree in six months and, and just get out of here, you know, but just have fun for that time. Well, while I was working, I said, let me just get a part-time do- job dealing poker and just a little part-time job to like graduate. Well, 10 years later, I was still in Vegas, <laughs> <laughs> still in the poker industry. And then, uh, finally I got out. So yeah, man, I, I, I like to move around. I, I like to experience different things. Um, never had the nerve to like move out of the country and, and, and do that. I've traveled, but it's been a week at a time. Yeah. But, but, you know, moving within the United States, it's, it's simple as just throwing some stuff in your car and, and just going and, and hopefully finding a job when you get there. And the formula I always use is finding something to crash with. Because once you sign that lease and you know what I'm saying? Now you're locked in. Yeah. So I just always found somebody to crash with until I decided that I was going to stick around. And the only reason <laughs> nice. Vegas was so long was just because the money was too good dealing poker. So I, I couldn't leave until I had some kind of real plan. <laughs> nice. What were you but getting a master's crash. degree in? I have one in public administration. So I was a police officer. And then I said, you know what? Let me go to school and so I can go into politics. And like I said, that all went out the window when I started making – making a poker dealer money. <laughs> and yeah. And then by the time I was done, it was like, I can't really get into that field anymore. Cause I'm 33 and I have no experience in that field anymore. And my deg- master's degree is very dusty at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I so. have an associate's degree in graphic design, which does me almost no good, <laughs> but it costs yeah, me but like I'll- several thousand dollars. But I will take your seven thousand, several thousand dollars, and raise you like sixty thousand dollars. So. Very, very true. <laughs> Being a really, you oh, probably thanks. already done paid that off, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's long paid I, off. Is it I haven't even made a dent. Mine. Mine's going up. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, dude. I, just, oh, I really, I, just, I feel for you and everybody else with those. I mean, those student loans are, in my opinion, they're fucking criminal. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, I agree too. I agree. Just like all those credit cards they let you sign up for when you're a kid. And, you know, let's, let's let's not even talk about my home loan in 2006. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it was, I did a stated income because I was I was a poker dealer and, and I didn't have my wages like record reported uh-huh. because there were tips and you were only required a certain percent. So on paper, it looked like I was making twenty three thousand dollars a year, but. The way they did mortgages back then was called stated income where you just sign a, a little piece of paper saying, yes, this is how much I actually make. Mm-hmm. And somehow that was acceptable. And I turned that in and the guy called me back and goes, hey, you're going to need just to say that you make a little bit more. So I'm going to amend it and send it back to you and just sign it. Okay. So <laughs> that's what I did. And then, of course, everything crashed in 2008 and you know I had a $2,600 mortgage payment on oh. you know house – yeah, so oh, that's fucking brutal. Oh, and like you said, criminal man. Yeah. So I paid two hundred forty nine thousand for that house, and then a year and a half later, I sold it for ninety two thousand. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but they should never have given me that loan. I, I shouldn't have qualified for that loan. For sure. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, those all those loans that they did back then were absolutely criminal. And then it's disgusting that that they didn't face any sort of of retribution for it. And I mean, in in a way, it makes what's happening right now in in Wall Street just that much more beautiful. Oh man, with, that is beautiful. Oh yeah. With, with I don't the, really the know stock. the long term for it because. <laughs> My 401k is kind of taking a hit. I don't really know what's going on there. I don't think it's connected, but I don't know too much about it. I kind of stay out of it. But it is fascinating to, to, to be able to see people have actual impact on things now. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of disgusting also seeing them like clamp down with all these regulations now oh, where geez. these people have got these hedge funds by the balls. And it's like, dude, they're, what they're doing is totally illegal. What yeah, these hedge fund that, people are doing is what should be made illegal because it's fucked. By them speculating they, and wanting to do short sales on things, they can tank businesses, and that's fucked up. I mean, don't they just print out the word capitalism and then jerk off over it all the time? <laughs> Pretty and much. Yet, <laughs> and yet when it actually is just working exactly the way it's supposed to at a free market, you, you shut it down? Yeah, yeah. What, how – is there anything that's not just about your money? Just answer that question for me. Don't, don't give me a list of principles and things you believe in. Let just, let's just talk about your money and how to make it and keep it and make it grow. That's the only principle there is. And it's your money, not our money, not the money of the this. It's your money. And and it's so fucking ridiculous. To, you know, it, to me, it's like touche. Like, let me find another way to make this money. It, this is, I, I, I love capitalism. I love the free market so much. And this is m me watching that work. And it's not benefiting me right now. But guess what? Like, it will again because I'm pretty smart. And I'll figure out another way to make money off of this. But no, the answer is shut it all down. Like, how do you sleep at night? You yeah, know, you, yeah, exactly. you already slept. You already slept fine by robbing people in, in, in a completely legal way. So I guess that's no. Your sleep is not really the thing that's in question. But <laughs> that's true. I, I don't know, man. Yeah, it, 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 no, nah, it's pretty fucking sickening. Um, I I hope these people come out uh, on top, and and the you know the, they're not a. I I hope they don't get fucked out of this because I I would I would really like to see them come out on top. It's the way it should be. They they played the game a way that the, the rules are set up. And just because people who are previously billionaires are now destitute, I couldn't give a fuck less. But Next thing they should inv invest in should be tiny little fucking violins. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the tiny little violin stock has actually definitely been an upward trend lately. <laughs> it's but, got to. <laughs> but, dude, it's it's so weird to think about it because it's like – it's such an awesome thing. Like forget about the actual dollar amount and where that money got shifted around to or whatever. Just think about this. It's another layer of checks and balances that have just has, that has just out of nowhere been created within the system itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you always think about how are we going to fight this and how are we going to do this? And the and, and all of the, the the plans and the thoughts are always something from outside of the system. But this is something built indirectly to the basic fundamentals of the system itself, adding another layer of checks and balances. Hey, before you guys make a decision, why don't you think about what the people will do and how they can affect you and how they will react if you do this certain thing? 
Like, how great is that? Just, I, I just think it's fucked that there's people out there who make millions of dollars by just taking money and moving it around. By just yeah. manipulating numbers, and then all of a sudden they're millionaires. And it's like... I, 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 it pisses me off because it makes me feel like there's enough resources for everybody to have a really fucking good time. But because yeah. of the immense greed of a select few, it makes okay. it tough for a bunch of people. And I think that that's fucked up. Now, at the same time, that's you know incongruent with saying that I appreciate capitalism because I really do appreciate capitalism. I appreciate sure. all the great shit we get as a result of it, but I'm also going to be aware enough to say, Hey, capitalism all by itself is a ravenous fucking beast that is going to kill all of the fucking cattle and just leave them dead in the field until there's nothing left. And then it's going to implode in on itself. And so if you don't have some sort of smart regulation to keep this thing in check, it's not going to work right. And what we're but seeing this, with, this with is stuff is right just, now is it feels yeah. like fucking workarounds. And I love that that people were able to get together in a humongous mass and be like, look, we're buyers. We can buy stocks. Let's focus this buying power in a in a direction right now. And as a result, they're able to manipulate the market. They were doing what, what it's designed to do. And I like that. <laughs> I think that's fucking great. And so for right there, it's like capitalism for the win. That's great. And think about who their target is when they're manipulating. It's 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 there's it's so hard to feel sorry for that person, where it's so easy to feel sorry for the other people's target, for the hedge funds people's target. It, it's it you it we all lose, you know, retirement funds and all those things. All that stuff is is where where you're finding these little corners to make money on it and short stocks and all this stuff and 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 rubbing your hands when you hear about the next business that's going to not be around by the end of 2021 and how you can jump on the the the, the failings of, of of somebody's dream or whatever the case may be and yet you know you find you find these people that are putting their their shit together and they're using their money to 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 go after these these other people that have had this for so long the target it's so easy to get behind these people versus the other way it's so easy for 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 not just the lower class the middle class even the upper middle class you know what i mean you got people that are our age that that have started to to make a living and have a little cash they want to jump on this train too mm-hmm. and you know though eventually when the 1% really kind of just levels out to maybe more like the top 35%. At least we're making some progress. Yes, I agree. You know what I mean? Or it's like if the people at the top would just put more emphasis into giving back to the people on the bottom in very real ways, which they don't do. Yeah, Joe, that's that's a (laughs) fundamental – morality <laughs> shift and change like that's never gonna happen yeah no but, i i got that just in the way you were saying joe <laughs> which is what i was laughing about <laughs> but, joe, i mean but 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 then but then you take that out of there you take that self-responsibility which you know that these people will never have ever 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 have yeah. and you take that out of the equation and say okay well that's not gonna ever happen we can hope and dream and wish that that human empathy exists within people and and every person that i talk to on a one-to-one basis it seems to exist but for some reason when we we think about this mythical being in the sky that has all this money and they're rich and they're one percenters somewhere between me and that person that human empathy has just is gone is lost Mm -hmm. and it's so weird because like literally every person i've spoken to on a one-on-one level my entire life has some form of it 
And I just don't know where it goes eventually. So you know that that's never going to change on that level. Never, no matter how many cute stories you read or anything, it's never going to change. But you're, these people are, were, what these people did last week, they made a, a change on a level that just was so insidious and that that's, that's not, that's not going anywhere. I don't care what the app, Robinhood, whatever the fuck they want to do by shutting things down and all these regulations. That doesn't matter because now that this seed has been planted, they're going to have to find just workarounds every month. Something's going to happen and they're going to have to come up with more regulations and more ways to shut it down and it's not going anywhere. And that's a good thing to make these people scared is a good thing. That's a very good start. I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, <laughs> it's be really interesting what the next few months holds in terms of that because I, I, I really feel like like a giant's kind of been awoken. I agree. In, in these people being able to kind of almost like crowdsource together and, and determine, you know, like, hey, hey, what, what business do we want to try and prop up today? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just hope that – I don't know what the long-term effects are of these companies that they're propping up. I hope that some of that capital actually gets used – to do something that's sustainable. Like how great would it be if, if they pick these companies and then, I don't know, let's just say one out of five actually churns things around. Yeah. I was you know what I mean? Article earlier about a, a investor in Texas took a bunch of money and went into a GameStop and bought like 30 switches or something like that. And then donated them to a children's hospital. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Like that, that's it. It's just one little spark of like, wait, there's a different way that we can do make a difference, make a change other than sitting around and hoping that these people have empathy on, 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 on a, on a larger level, which is never going to happen. We can actually make a change. And then it sparks these other little things. Like you said that I saw somebody, there was another thing where this kid like he bought everything at GameStop, everything on the shelf. Like, I don't know how old he was, but he clearly was well off, Bought every single thing in the store out, cleaned it out. And it's like, that's awesome, man. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love how GameStop went from, okay, we shit on this place because we buy a, a game here and then turn around and sell it and they want to give me a nickel back for it, Yeah. <laughs> to, to now, okay, we love GameStop because we're helping It's a it. company for the people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how much do I expect back for a game? If you, if, you wanted, if you want to buy a game for 50 bucks and try to get 30 bucks out of it, then keep the manual, keep the case in shape and put it on eBay. Like, what, what do you True. want? Like. <laughs> well, you really expect them to go turn around and give you, you know, 80% of the value that you paid for this thing? Well, yeah, and also it's like what, if they fuck you on it once, why would you ever go back for that second fucking? If that it's point, not fucking it's on you. you. It's not fucking you. They're offering you an offer. You don't have to say yes. I have plenty of things on eBay that have offers and people send me offers and I'm just like, I no, like you're not going <laughs> to get this for that price. And and that's all there is to it. And I say, I politely say, thank you. I appreciate the offer, but I'm going to hold on to it or whatever. That's all you have to say. Do you do oh, a lot I of eBay you. selling? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I assumed you would because you're comic collecting, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I try to find other avenues. I mean, like I, Instagram has been just a ridiculous, like me and this other guy that's on Instagram is, you know, kind of blown up. He does these live sales and he, it started as, as something that he was doing for, it was, he called it the remedy tour. It's a, it's at elite comics 
excuse me, at elite underscore underscore comics 11. And he, what he started doing was contacting uh, comic book shops around the country uh, in March and April when things were getting shut down because those comic book shops operate on just razor thin margins and none of it's really profitable. It's just a place that older nerdy people that wanted to just not like have an actual job, but like pull fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year down and not have to go to work, just get to go to a comic book shop and hang out all day. And really that's what that's what comic book shops are. There's nobody getting rich by opening a comic book shop. <laughs> yeah. But when this happens, like that's it. Like th- there's no way, there's no chance of any of these fifty percent of these coming back after six months. So what this guy did was he contacted a bunch of across the country and said, you know, once a week we're going to go live on my Instagram page and you're going to show everybody who watches what you have for sale and you can just buy it right then. And that's awesome. That steamrolled and like it saved all these shops and now they're all still in and, and not only they're in business but like they're thriving. And it was all because of this Instagram thing and people, you know, sitting at home and not really able to go anywhere. And they get on Instagram and watch these inter- very entertaining five-hour live shows and buy comic books from the, from the comfort of their own home. So that's the area where I've shifted to the most. But I still have, you know, six 600 listings on eBay right now. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of them are, are, you know, $20, $30 books. But still, I mean, I, 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 buy, a, I buy a short box of comics. I go to a, a, a local comic book store somewhere in, you know, within an hour, two hour drive from here. I buy a short box of comics, which usually fits about 150 books. And I say, here's 30 bucks. And they're like, okay. And I come home and I sort them, I rebag them, I take pictures of them, I put them on eBay. So I, I pay 20 cents a book for a lot of these things. And a lot of times I get $15, $20 for these, for these books individually. Nice. So yeah, That's it's fantastic. It's, and, yeah. and then you just got to put that work into it. To, yeah. to you know do the listing and all that and and that's usually where I fail in in my own business ventures because I remember um, a long time ago I, I released a, a a guidebook for climbing routes at a, a place in in Iowa okay and I eventually just burned out on it to where I would my phone would make that specific notification it would make when a guidebook sale came in and I'd be like mother fucker because it it meant that i was gonna have to go and get the paper cutter out and cut them out punch them put them together put it in a fucking envelope walk it up to the walk it up to the post office steve i live a block away from the post office that's tough oh yeah it's so it's so hard and it's like what is wrong with me (laughs) i mean you have different priorities man i mean (laughs) different priorities Right, we just talked about the golden age of streaming television, right? Yeah, <laughs> you've got other priorities. <laughs> you've got lots of shit to watch. But see, I it sustained me for a year and a half that I was unemployed during the pandemic. Is is all wow. this? And yeah, and what I did was, and like you said, like I didn't like having to like pull a book out and start from scratch with the packaging. I made up a hundred packages over three hours and put them in a box. So now when I sell stuff, I just go and I grab it. I slide the book in, seal it, put the label on it and it's gone. Yeah. So yeah, I got like a little system down and you know, every, every two months I have to sit down and rebuild those hundred little prepackaged things. But, (laughs) and that's where I was going wrong was like, I remember like the first couple batches in from the printer I got, I'd sit and do them all. 
Uh-huh. And then it'd be like, oh, okay, now I'll just do five. Now I'll do yeah. three. Now I'll have one extra on top. Now, okay, now these are put together by order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's not sustainable because like no. you said, now you've got to stop for – and then you're like, what am I getting $3 for this thing, really? Like I'm doing this for $3. It's not worth it. Yeah, yeah. You know, or whatever. <laughs> but you definitely got to love what, what it is. No, true, know? true. And, all, and also, you know, I was a lot younger. When when I did that and and it was a learning experience in 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 learning that even if you're going to do something from the stance of you know oh, it's a hobby thing I'm doing it for fun it's like well if you're doing it to make money you need to treat it like a job and you need to have sure. the necessary discipline that's going to come along with it and when I got into it I didn't really realize that and then working on it you know it was one of those things where it's like it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily a failure. It was actually like I, you know, did a pretty good amount of business and moved quite a bit, a few guidebooks that, you know, that I made myself, which it really, if you think about it, that's really the only thing I've ever done with my graphic design degree. <laughs> <laughs> did they look good? They weren't bad for being laid out in Microsoft Word. They weren't bad. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like when we went to C2E2, like during the day, during the convention hours, like it was all business for me. I bet it was, dude. Like all you guys got to go and like do photo ops and cool signings and have fun. And I'm just like – and you know, you saw me. I'm a big guy and like those concrete floors after a while. Thank God there was some carpeting oh. in the aisles. Oh, yeah. But dude, and like all the dollar books, which is where the treasure is, they're always underneath the table. So me and with the knees, you were talking about knees, getting down there. I mean it was work. You but, need to bring but, one of those gardening pads with you. Dude. <laughs> and just like pull it out of your backpack and then set it on the ground and then kneel on that little foam pad. Dude, I saw some dude that had – I mean you you probably have seen it, but I had never seen it before. He had like a chair like built into his pants. Oh, you know <laughs> – did you ever see Silicon Valley? No, but but I've seen things dude like had that online them. before where it's yeah, like when he, they sit down, it's like a little tripod thing like comes yeah, out. Yeah, they, they can like sit click on. their leg out and they just sit right down on themselves. I'm like, dude, I'm like – if they actually had one that could actually support my fat ass, like <laughs> I'm all over that shit for C2E2 because it's a lot of bending and stooping. But yeah, dude, I treat I treated it like a business. I had fun doing it because I was wheeling a deal with some of these vendors. But yeah, man, it, <laughs> I love it's, it. It's work, man. It's work for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the best find you've ever gotten? Oh my goodness, there's so many of them because I try to be ahead, like especially with the MCU stuff. Like it's real – it's so easy if you just put the work in. Like it's getting harder because speculation seems to be like – especially with Reddit now. Yeah. Like there's real people out there and, and releasing real shit. I guess – I don't. I, are you on Discord, on the PSEL Discord? Yeah. I mean I just don't um, – I have all my social media apps and uh-huh. games on my phone and everything moved to the very last page on my Smart. iPhone. And it's Smart. under a further subcategory called fucking don't. <laughs> Because they're all distractions. It's like it's like nice. the time that I use like scrolling through there with my thumb and just reading social media, it's like you could be fucking writing. You're trying to finish a book. <laughs> and so yeah, that's, that's part true. of my strategy. That's, um, that's, that's very smart. But that's yeah, smart. I do occasionally get on there. Yeah, because he had just posted today that – Brian had just posted today that uh, that somebody released uh, – somebody leaked episode five and six like like – video from it or whatever oh, which whoa. i'm not yeah which i'm not really interested because honestly i have been like glued to the screen week to week when this wandavision has been coming out oh it's and, been so good to watch and speculate man 
Right. But the thing is, is that in my business, the faster you know about somebody, like if, if Wonder Man indeed is going to be showing up, like it's too late for Wonder Man because Avengers number nine has already gone through the roof because the spec just just from the speculation on it. Mm-hmm. But like I found a um, so I, I was listening to some podcasts and they were talking about the Shang-Chi movie and nobody had really like talked about it on on a major level yet and um i was looking for a special marvel edition number 15 with his which is his first appearance and that's a really good title for somebody that's trying to dig treasure out because it's not avengers number 47 or whatever it's you know title avengers everybody knows that title but special marvel edition like Nobody's ever even heard of that title. It only ran 16 issues. And the 15th issue is the first appearance of Shang-Chi. So I was going around buying up copies. And um, I, I, I pulled out a really nice copy of it for like $35 out of a bin. And I looked at it and I said, you know what? This is this is worth sending off to CGC, which is the one, the big grading company that, that encapsulates and grades your comic books. So that's your best way to, to, to sell things because there's a universally accepted grade that's on it. So you know what, what to charge for that book. And the highest grade is, is really a nine, 9.8. And I mean, there is nine, nine and 10, but those are usually modern books or not, not there's 9.8 is as high as you're going to get from a book from the seventies. Okay. Is it and is it a very big of a pain in the ass process to, to do it, that or it's like, just a long process. You just mail it in. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just you fill out the form uh, online, and and actually at C two E two, which is the last place that had in person submissions, you can you can do it right there and turn them in on Friday, and then come pick them up on Sunday, which is incredible because I sent stuff in October of last year, and it's still in the in the queue is pending. (laughs) Yeah. Whoa. So basically, somebody at that place just you know opens it up. Like, you know, probably with fucking gloves on and shit and mm-hmm. like goes yep. through it really carefully and analyzes everything, gives mm-hmm. it a grade, and then they put it in that fancy clamshell right. that has the grade stamped on it, and then they just mail it back to you. How much does the that's that whole service cost usually? If it's a modern book, which they consider a modern book, anything post-1975, excuse me, 1975 and, and later mm-hmm. is a modern book, and um, it depends on what tier you pick. So the lowest, which is the slowest tier – you can get them done for as low as like twenty five dollars, okay. But that's not going to come back for six months. <laughs> um, and then wow. all the way through to a walkthrough service, which is the same day, they grade your book, and that's ten percent of the value of the book, up to maximum five hundred dollars that they'll charge you for that book. Five hundred bucks. They might charge you five hundred dollars for it. That's the max they can charge you because, like, if I'm sending in a book. I'm not going to send my Amazing Fantasy 15, which is first appearance of Spider-Man. I'm not going to send that in and have it in the system for six months, laying around somewhere. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's it, my mine's a low condition book, and it's probably worth twenty five, thirty thousand dollars. So when I mail that in, I overnight it, insure it, and three days later, I better have that book back in my hands. But it's going to cost me five hundred dollars to grade it. 
Yeah, but if you were to turn around and sell it, then you would recoup that pretty easily. So you oh, less just need to look at it. This is the price of doing business and having a book that you already know is worth a shitload of money graded because the only way you're going to make a shitload of money is if it has that official grade on it, right? Correct. You can't sell a raw copy with and and expect to get your maximum dollar. And, and it's a crapshoot, don't forget, because if I'm thinking the book is a, a 2.0 or 2.5, which is a lower grade book, but for a book like Amazing Fantasy 15, that's a, that's a pretty nice $20,000 book. So I send it off assuming that it's going to be a 2.0 or 2.5. It comes back a 1.8 or, God forbid, even a 1.5 restored, which means somebody – went in there at some point and put marker on the book to try to cover up something. Now that has a purple label on it, which means it's the kiss of death. And nobody's going to want that book. So now I just screwed myself by, by grading it because you never know what's going to happen. But the point of bringing it up still to- charge you like $500 to grade something that was, that ended up being like a purple label or would that obviously not be a case where it was a super expensive grading charge because this book isn't going to sell for much. Okay. So here's the catch. It's up to you. So you, they're going to charge you 10% of the stated value of that book. So a lot of people just write a, a, a extreme under understated the, the value of the book to save the money. But the catch is, is that something happens in your book, which, which absolutely can. I've known plenty of people that had books lost or damaged or whatever. You're only going to get insured to the money that you stated the value of that book. Ah, so there's so a if I send right my AF fifteen in and say, oh yeah, this is probably worth three hundred dollars, and I pay my thirty or forty dollars to grade it, well, something happens. That's all they're giving me is three hundred bucks back. So it's just too much of a gamble, you know. But what I was saying with that Shang Chi book is that I paid like thirty or forty dollars on it, and I sent it in to get it graded. And I thought it was a high grade. It came back a nine eight. Whoa, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How old? What year was that Shang Chi book? Seventy. Two? Holy shit. Nineteen seventy two. And for yeah. that long it stayed in that good a shape. That's incredible. Yep. yep. And I uh, put it on eBay for fifty five hundred dollars. <laughs> I paid thirty five dollars for it, graded it, shipped it. I was probably all in $175 on it you know, for shipping both ways and grading and all that. And I put it on eBay for fifty five hundred or buy or best offer. And somebody bought it now at the regular didn't even make me an offer. Wow. Yeah, and as I was uh, filling out the label for it, I realized that it said Burbank, California, and I also thought it was really strange that they didn't try to make an offer on it. So I said, let me find out who this is, and I dug deep, and I contacted them, and it turned out it was somebody that works on in the MCU. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense, right? They want that who source I'm, material. I'm, yeah, who I'm good friends with now, and uh, you know, every once in a while. I make a contact and ask him for a little hint here and there. So <laughs> just, you don't have to explicitly yeah. tell me just, yeah. you know, just, you don't have to tell me what you guys are doing. Just tell me what comics you think I'd be interested yeah. in. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I try not to push him too hard cause I don't want to scare him away, but. Oh man, that's great. Yeah. Now, where did you, where would you, how did you come across that book that you ended up being able to turn around and sell for so much? Like was it, it was in a co- you stumbled upon it? Like a it was in or something? Yeah, it was an LCS, a local comic shop. And, and and so then that shop just wasn't aware of what they had? So it's impossible for a shop to keep up with the news, especially these days. 
And this was two or three years ago. So, and it has gotten much worse since then. I mean, especially with all the content coming out. I mean, think about this. You've got a shop with, I don't know, 60,000 books laying around. Yeah. And every week you're going to watch WandaVision and then go and dig through and speculate and try to figure out what can. No, you don't have the time for that. But guess who does have the time for it? Little old me in Chattanooga who's sitting <laughs> on my ass watching WandaVision, reading Reddit, listening to BCL, reading speculation. Who's there, you know, the, the, the show releases Thursday morning. I'm there, you know, or whatever at midnight at 3 a.m. I'm there at 10 a.m. when the store opens, digging through the boxes for that Wonder Man book or whatever. You know, it's impossible to keep up with the news. It's impossible. And then the Star Wars, forget it. Star Wars, you, you made a killing. Six months ago, you made a killing because they don't, there's so many different titles of Star Wars. I mean, don't, Dark Horse had it for a long time. Yeah. So there's a whole section in some comic book stores that's segregated between publishers, between Marvel and DC, and then they call them independent, which is just a, a, a dark, dingy corner in the back of the LCS of just like books, boxes that are just misfits, have rips and tears in it, and you're like, they don't even look at them. Boy, you go in there, and you just, you don't even have to know. You just clean them out for a dollar each. Then, you know, the Clone Wars number one, Ahsoka Tano's first issue, was a dollar book. Eight months ago, and now it's selling for two grand in nine eight. Oh my god! I was gonna, I, I, uh, wow, two grand. That is two grand. And no, actually, no. That was two grand was was four months ago. Now it's like thirty five hundred actually. So wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's out of control. It's absolutely out. Of, and every single day, there's news that is coming out and speculation. And if you if if you if anybody who is listening to this and is thinking, oh, you know, I want to invest in stocks and all this Robin Hood. Oh, it would have been awesome to get involved in that. Just take a look at the graphs and the sales of comic books, particularly Silver Age Marvel from, you know, 20, I don't know, 20, 2010 to now, last 10 years. There's not one title, not one book that isn't a graph that's just straight up. Not one book, not nothing, zero. There's no, there's no book that you can name that was an investment book that has any kind of dips. None, zero. Everything is just a graph straight up. You know how when you open your stock market app and you go, let me go back five years or ten years, and you see these, you know, these peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. Nope, it's one giant slope for comic books. Silver Age Marvel. You, no, you can't go wrong, and it's not slowing down. I mean, yes, the 90s happened and there was a crash, but we're talking about 92 to 96, Death of Superman to 96 when all those comic book shops were closing. That's four years. I've been actively doing this now for about four years, and it's just it's, – it's, it, it, it's just it, – you can't get it fast enough. I bought my Daredevil number one, 7.0, for 3K like eight months ago. Every time I check to see the last sale on a 7.0, it goes up $1,500. <laughs> wow, It man. went from 3300 eight months ago. C2E2, I was looking at, it, I was looking at an, an 8.0 Daredevil one for 6K. And at C2E2, I held it in my hands and I was like, man, I do not want to spend 6000 on this book right now for an 8 point – actually, excuse me. It was an 8.5 Daredevil with white pages. That book just sold at auction for $22,000. C2E2 was, was, was 11 months ago, Joe. That's <laughs> it's incredible. At, 
it's out of control. There's, if, if you just do a little bit of homework and, and have a couple, couple grand sitting around, you can pick three or four books and, and just see what happens in six months. I mean, I, I highly recommend it because it's a lot of fun and it's way more fun than, than investing in, you know, RGX industries or <laughs> so-and-so fasteners or whatever. Now, you got a really valid point there because basically you found a way to take your passion Mm-hmm. And with a little bit of elbow grease, monetize it. And like yeah, you well, said, I mean, it, it obviously kept I got you afloat. When, when Kevin you, Feige. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I, I, I was just, I was pretty much done. <laughs> I was just yes, saying, it, it, you know, you monetized your hobby and turned it into something that kept you afloat, you know? So that, that that's fucking rad. Yeah. And not only did it keep me afloat, like, like I was, I, I, my collection has grown immensely since 2020 and I had excess money to pay our bills and everything. So wow. I and I reinvest. I take all that money. I reinvest. I reinvest in uh, whatever I get. I reinvest because it's not. It's just. It's so. It's so good right now. And and, and Feige's not going to slow down for a long, long time. It does seem as, that way. And as long as that machine is still running, this is always going to be relevant. Man, that's that's pretty dope. I I think. What was I, I think I started buying comic books, in like maybe 2016. Mm-hmm. And I got up to like maybe four or five short boxes worth of books. And uh-huh. then I was like, this is, I don't, I have a small house. Where am I going to keep these things? And so then I switched over to digital. Yeah. And, um, but what I, were you buying? The new books? Mostly I was just buying new books, just stuff that I was reading. You know, like I, I had a pull list of, of some current titles. And then there was other things that were just titles that, that I had read that, you know, they came out, you know, Years before, not like a, a long time before, but you know, I'd track those down. Like, like I really, I read Tokyo Ghost the first time as a trade paperback, the Rick Remender book. Mm-hmm. Really loved it, and so I went out and bought. Uh, I found like an eBay auction that was selling the complete set with like variant covers mixed in with it, and they're all in like mint condition. And you know, nice. none of them are graded or anything. I've never sent sent anything out to be graded or bought uh, a graded book, but. Um, I've, I've, I've got reasons. some books that I feel like some of them could be worth some money someday. Like I got the gold foil stamped uh, redneck number one, the yeah. Donnie Cates book. Yeah, and hang on to that one. Yes. <laughs> hang on to that one. Definitely. I've got a regular uh, A cover that's in mint condition also and then mm-hmm. I don't know, like a C variant also. It'll probably – I don't know. But I've heard sometimes the variants can be worth some money just because they didn't – You know, it's got specialized art. They didn't print as many copies. Yeah, the incentive ratios are, are where it's at, but it just sometimes you get caught up in that and you end up losing. But like sometimes, I mean, the, people are all over those incentive ratios. Like you see a one in one hundred, and you're like, oh, and especially if the cover's cool and it's a character that you like, you can't lose. You know what I mean? But you know, it, yes, some of those one in one hundred ratio variants, and there's even like one in one thousand ratio variants. Del Otto has done a bunch of one in 1000 racial variants and he's got a Spider-Man one. Um, I don't really remember what number it is. I don't, cause I'm not too much of a modern guy. And I saw somebody, like I told you, my buddy at elite comics 11 on Instagram. He, he's a consignment page too. So people sell through his page. And this dude sold one for like 20 K for this, like Spider-Man that came out like five years ago. That was like a one in 1000 Del Otto variant. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You got to stay away from that stuff because the market is so small for that kind of stuff. 
Well, and that's kind of the thing also. Like if you have a book that, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, this is worth X amount of money. It's like, well, the next step is finding a person who's going to give you that amount of right. money. Which which is an endless amount when you're talking about Silver Age Marvel books. There's there's lots of people that want to, to, to buy to own a Fantastic Four, number one, or the first appearance of Ghost Rider or the first appearance of Werewolf by Night or, or, or Moon Knight. People want that book. So yeah, in DC much 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 more much harder to move high grade big DC books. But yeah, um, but yeah, some of those incentive variant ratio variants are, are really awesome. And like they're doing a lot. Like I'm I'm looking at a stack of Ronins right here. There's like 30 of them here that are like store exclusives and variants. And and uh, somebody brought it up on PCL. Was it no? It wasn't it was you? Wasn't it? It was you? Wasn't it? What did I talking bring up? about? The uh, oh the, yeah, all those like the fucking yeah. seventy nine variant covers for uh, the yeah. TMT book. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at like yeah. thirty five of them right now on my desk. <laughs> you bought thirty five of them? Oh, I bought way more than that. <laughs> I bought I bought ten of of at least ten of them. Oh wow, dude! And sold them all at crazy prices. But that's there's just, a lot of them, a lot of them that I kept my though. Mind. But I know, he, I know. It's a money grab, but I kept a lot of them too, though. So, because I just love the covers. At what point does it cease to be a money grab because they're paying out all this money to all these different artists to do all these covers? Because don't well, don't artists generally have an upcharge if they're doing a cover image? Absolutely. And don't forget propping up a a, a, a piece of media that's supposed to have been dead ten years ago. You know, tangible print media in your hand, like. <laughs> they they printed you know three hundred thousand last Ronins. The last time a book had a three hundred thousand print one was like probably mid two thousands. You know wow. what I mean? And that was yeah. And and um, dude, whatever keeps these shops open, what keeps these these places that are that that really are safe havens for cer- certain people, maybe some people that 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 don't have. You know, social skills like a lot of other people don't feel like they fit in anywhere or belong anywhere, and they get to go to this comic shop where the where the owner is nice to them, and there's two or three other people that are always in there that they sit around a table and talk this stuff. It's a safe haven for some of these people. Yeah, yeah. I, I would. I wish my. I don't know. I'm not, not the biggest fan of my you know, local comic. You start shop. taking those, those places away. Oh, sorry. Oh, I, I must have lost one. your Skype. Skype uh, our Skype con- connection must have got kind of fucked up there for a while. It went silent. Oh, okay. Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, so that was. I was why just talking about how they're talking safe. there. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just talking about there's how they're safe havens for certain people. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, so I'm sorry that you have a bad experience because trust me, they're out there. They're they're absolutely out there. But there's also, you know. Quiet little places where you don't even know how they stay open, but they're there all the time, and they got a big, giant table and a couch for you to hang out, and they don't mind if you grab all the books and read them right there. You know what I mean? Like for every one place that's that's a dick, there's ten awesome LCSs out there. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, I've I've heard good stories of other places, and and you know, ultimately, uh, for the type of comic reading that I do, like just having comiXology on my iPad has been perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what, I mean with the type of experience that you're having with comics, you know, completely different, like you wouldn't even be doing what you were doing if it had only ever existed in a digital state. So, 
you know, and I definitely don't ever want to see print books going away because there is something fantastic. And like the smell of comic books is something that I, that I will always cherish. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially those dusty old ones from the (laughs) sixties. Yeah. Yeah. But DC wants print gone. I mean, that's obvious. They want, oh yes, they want, they want print gone. It's too expensive. It's too costly for them. And they would rather be 100% digital. But I, I certainly, obviously, never, ever, ever want that. I was loving DC during Rebirth. Yeah. And then, are you reading any Future State? I pretty much just dropped off at the end of Rebirth, and oh, I didn't read. That was a while I didn't ago. Read, yeah, I didn't read any of the Year of the Villain shit. I didn't read any of Future State. Um, New Fifty Two was after Rebirth, right? Or was it New Fifty Two was right before Rebirth? Oh, I kind of like some New Fifty Two stuff. There are some really, really good New 52 stories. Um, yeah, that Batman New 52 was, Batman was is, yeah, some of the best yeah. there is. Um, uh, the New 52 Dark Justice League was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that one. And I'm not even a DC guy, but I, I do like some New 52. I, I don't know if I've ever read any Rebirth stuff. Rebirth was like just the, the Rebirth like one shot that was like a, like, like a really fat comic book. And it was like a story centered around the Flash. Uh-huh. That was really, really good. Yeah, uh, isn't that fucking made isn't me that tear what? up at the end? He pulls Wally West out of the out of the speeds uh, mm-hmm. force because in New Fu when they went to New Fifty Two, like Wally West's character just pretty much disappeared, and it was just younger Wally West, which was like Iris's nephew, and it was um, uh, it was a completely different character. And yeah, because Wally West died. The original Wally West died in Crisis. Yeah. Yeah, and he was and, gone for like ten years, right? Exactly. But then during New Fifty Two, it was like nobody even knew who he was. Like it was like right. he was just not even there. And so mm-hmm. this story, this original story of Rebirth, is like Barry Allen. Like it's it's Wally West. Keep he keeps reaching out to different people through the Speed Force and trying to get them to remember who he is. And mm-hmm. every time That's people cool. are looking at him, like who the fuck are you? And so the very last person he reaches out to is Barry Allen, and then. When he realizes that, you know, oh, Barry doesn't know who I am either, instead of wasting that last little bit of time trying to be like, come on, you have to remember who I am. He's like, instead tells him, like, it was the greatest joy in my life to be, you know, Kid Flash and then take over as the Flash, you know, like, I'll always love you, Barry, that sort of stuff. And then at the last minute as he's fading away, Barry's like, Wally? And then oh, reaches shit. into the speed force. Dude, I'm going to start crying. Reaches <laughs> into the speed force and pulls him out. And then there's this panel of them hugging. And oh. Oh, that's awesome, Dude. Man. So it is such a beautiful story. And like I read that and then I was like, I must know everything. What's going on in Rebirth? And got totally obsessed and started reading a whole bunch of the titles. And then, you know, it did what comics do. And you can basically just check in every once in a while to figure out what this actual rebirth story was, but it was just a, a whole ploy for them to bring, you know, Doc Manhattan into the DC universe, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of what they did with Doomsday Clock. I don't know if you read that. Yeah, I did read series. it. I was I was a little disappointed in it, but uh, it had some beautiful artwork in it. In that mm-hmm. uh, the it mime and marionette, char- marionette characters that were introduced oh. were some of the coolest fucking. Those were char- badass. Weren't they fucking amazing? Like totally yeah. badass, dude. That and their love guy. for each other was so awesome. Yes, yeah, but the mime guy, the first time someone's like talking shit and he like points at him like he's pointing a gun and they're like, what mm-hmm. the fuck? And then he pulls his trigger and the back of their head comes off. Yeah. It's like, that was oh, Joker shit. 
Yeah, I remember when he when he murdered all those all those Joker's people to get his attention. Yeah, that was awesome. Where he's finger gunning everybody. Yes, but but ultimately the the end of that was like what? Yeah, what is yeah. this? Like, okay, like, thanks for sticking the landing, Jeff Johns. You fuck. <laughs> man, Jeff Johns is the J.J. Abrams of the comic book world, man. You can't take away like. Oh. All of the really good stuff he did further back, though, because like just like J.J. Abrams, <laughs> yes, I a hundred percent agree with that. But like, um, like Flash Rebirth, um, the the Green Lantern Rebirth, where he brings Hal Jordan back. Um, Jeff Johns wrote that that Rebirth thing that was I was just fucking crying over. <laughs> so I mean, he's definitely got some good hits in there. But yeah, what was I reading um, from Jeff Johns recently? It was really good. I kind of remember. But uh, I think it was a, a graphic novel. I've been reading uh, – you ever heard of Adam, the level, the Legend of Blue Marvin, Marvel? No. No, I've never heard dude, of that. Dude, it's a great story. He's, he's a black superhero in the 60s, and they force him into retirement because, like, people just aren't accepting him. Mm-hmm. So, like – the Congress in charge of like superheroes to say, Hey, you have to go away cause you're black and the world isn't buying black superheroes. And then like fast forward to our time where they need him again and they have to pull him out of retirement. And like, there's a lot of like apology and like self like reflection going on there. It's so fucking good. Huh. It's only five issues, but uh, it, they're hard to find now, but even, even the trade paperback is kind of hard to find. But uh, Adam Brashear is the character's name, and there has been hints that they're going to bring him into the uh, into the MCU too. But oh, that's no a shit. great, yeah, that's a great story. Um, I don't know, I don't know how current you are. It might even been the PCL you were on, but they were talking about how the the super ser- um, soldier serum was used on uh, black people as experiments. Like, have you heard about that? Okay, yeah, yeah, because that's where they got the the black Captain America. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, and. Apparently they're bringing that storyline into the MCU. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of cool things to explore with that. Donny Cates wrote a really cool story with soldiers being experimented on. Not, I don't think it was just black uh, soldiers, like in in particular. But he hmm. wrote a uh, part of. Did you read any of his Venom stuff? Just yeah, I mean the the one that's out right now. Yeah, how he's yeah, got just, that. He, that bit uh-huh. where there were soldiers in Vietnam mm-hmm. that were given yeah, Ven- like Venom Island, the end of the beginning of Venom Island. right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that that was awesome. And that would be a super cool movie to do like it a period be. Vietnam piece where it's soldiers that are in symbiote suits. Mm-hmm. Man, there's symbiote, there's symbiotes everywhere now. Like you're starting to find out and it's crazy. Cause it's like they're, they're showing the, the symbiotes are creeping up in books from the eighties. And you're like, how, what like what do you talk- like you didn't even come up with it until 1990 like how but then you go back and you see this this uh this book that i just picked up this marvel spotlight on captain uh captain marvel or something and there's like a symbiote story in there and it's just it's it the symbiote world is fascinating to me like it's it's really good and i hope that sony doesn't fuck it up yeah i I liked a large amount of that Venom movie. Like overall, oh, like, I, I go back and watch sure. it a lot, but 
there, <laughs> there's just some, there's certain parts where it's like, okay, I would just take that little two seconds there and fucking eighty six it. Where he's telling the guy at the end that he's a turd in the wind. (laughs) Who the fuck wrote that line? And like okayed it. Like, wow. Dude, that movie, if that movie would have came out in like, like 09, that would have been the greatest super movie, hero movie we would have ever seen. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it was, it it, it just reminded me a hundred percent of like a movie from like, the early like like 2010 or whatever like before like comic book movies became what they are now yeah yeah totally right like you that know? movie would have been right in place coming out around the same time as like that original fantastic four yeah or even like or even like days of future past of the x-men and all that <laughs> you know what i mean just over the top nonsense but like still really fun to watch because there was a time where where we actually really loved those x-men movies <laughs> oh i just rewatched the first x-men movie the other night with my kids how was it? Because I, I don't even – I can't even begin to remember that movie. I just kept watching it marveling at how young everybody looked. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, look at how young Hugh Jackman looks. Like mm-hmm. every time he was on the screen, I couldn't believe how young he looked. Like Patrick Stewart and, and Ian McKellen seemingly look timeless. Like they still look yeah. the same. It's the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I, I remember when I saw Spider-Man in the theater like – you know how long I had waited to see a Spider-Man? When I was like 12 years old, they were promising me – James Cameron was promising me a Spider-Man movie. And finally it came out when I was like 21 years old. And man, I and I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And it's, it's, it doesn't even compare to the stuff we see now. But still, like it, it's amazing how far we've come and – it it just we want to bash something because everything is not MCU level, but like just enjoy it and have fun. Like when this this Morbius movie comes out, like I'm gonna have so much fun with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tend to watch them all. You know, like oh, I'm definitely watching them. But, but I, you know, I don't know for yeah. some reason Halle Berry's Catwoman movie popped into my head immediately, Ooh. and I'm like, okay, Ooh. they're not all good. <laughs> no, no, they're not. There's certainly there's certainly some some real big clunkers, but but generally yeah. if something if it's if it's like an an IP that that I'm passionate about, I usually find something to enjoy out of it. Like um, like I I tend to think almost all Star Wars is is acceptable Star Wars. There's definitely some Star Wars movies that I like way more than others, but but it, at the end of the day, I like all Star Wars. I mean, that's exactly how I feel about Star Trek. I mean, there's some bad Star Trek, but it's still good. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's still Star Trek. Like, there's some really, really, really shitty Voyager episodes. There's like probably one of the worst episodes of all of Star Trek, not including some of the cheesy ones from the 60s, that are in Voyager. But it's by far my favorite series, and I still love those episodes. It's just, you got to have love and passion. And thank goodness, like, Star Trek hasn't got as toxic, but like I just there's the theme of love and inclusion in Star Trek is just so much a part of the show from start to finish that it feels like most of the fans get it. You know what I mean? And everything that does come out is while it might be some and if you listen to the show, you know, we hear a few of the episodes a chunk of the middle of season discovery season three was just not great, but damn it. If I did not have fun watching it every week and waiting for it to come out and then getting on there and talking to Neil about it. So 
if you love something, you love something, man. Like that's all there is to it. <laughs> I totally agree. It's cool that that Star Trek doesn't have the same problem in their in their fan base that Star Wars does. I don't know what the fucking deal is with Star Wars that it invites so many fucking just shitty people. Huh? But fuck, I mean, it can't be argued that it does. You know? I mean, it's it's just it's a completely different like theme. I mean, you've got good and evil and rise of powers and fall of powers whereas star trek is not it's not there's not there's not like a a, the the antagonist is 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 you yes the antagonist is your own thoughts and about how you can fit in or include somebody or understand another species or alien race and come together and work together that's that's a completely even though they're both sci-fi shows that start with s it, they're completely different in their fundamental like point of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's 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 in the names too. You know, Star Trek. It's a trek. It's, it's a journey. You know, a journey can be a, a metaphor for for realization. Star Wars. It's a fucking war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mean, from it's start like, to finish. Yeah, you're right. And, and Star Trek is the more cerebral show, and Star Wars is the more um, flashy show. You know, like. Um, with you not – and I would, I would have never watched this if it weren't for kids. But because I had kids, it made me appreciate it. Um, uh, there's an episode of Teen Titans Go where they talk about the differences between Star Trek and Star Wars. Huh. Where Robin wants them all to go out and have a Star Trek adventure. And everybody else of the Teen Titans Go cast is like, this is super fucking boring. And they keep just wanting to do Star Wars instead. <laughs> and, and Robin keeps steering them back on track. God, why is it got to be Robin fighting for Star Trek? Because I guess that's the nerd of the whole group. Uh, he's he's just the, I don't know, it's just the way it works out in the episode. But it's great because they come across this artifact where when Robin touches it, it sucks him into it. And so then all the other Teen Titans are like, they go immediately change into their star wars outfits and start just beating the shit out of the thing and then robin comes out of it and he's like no you don't understand he's like i just lived an entire lifetime in that thing it's actually a repository of an alien galaxy oh. and and while i was in there i learned how to play the trombone <laughs> oh very nice very like, nice callback like is there a star trek episode that's like that because Wait, that's like, what you were saying. I mean, it's yes. You know, there's a very famous okay, perfect. Where he learns Picard <laughs> learns how to play the flute and spends his whole lifetime in there. Yeah. Oh, okay, excellent. I didn't know it was actually referencing a oh, real episode, so that makes that it episode. so much better. Um, now that you have this like weird reversal, <laughs> just go back and I think it's called. Is it called Inner Light? God, you would think if I'm if I do a podcast on Star Trek, I wouldn't. I would know the name uh, of one of the. Well, it's, it's got to be famous. one of the later se- – for sure I've watched all of the first season and I think I might have watched all of the second season also. But, oh, yeah. But I'm not you, positive. You, God, I hate when people start in season one of, <laughs> of, of Next Generation. It's I just like, didn't oh, No wonder why you're not a fan. To. No, I loved everything I watched of it. Oh, really? it, it more came down to – I didn't stop watching it because I was like, ugh. I stopped watching it just because it was – I don't have time. Nobody else is watching it. You know, how long can I stay sequestered in Nobody my bedroom by myself watching D and G? They come in and I'm just head banging. It kind of kicks ass. It's a fucking great theme. Yeah, nothing like the Mandalorian. Though. I could literally like 
I, I can just think back to like my late teens and early twenties when I had like a 12 inch subwoofer in my car and like a <laughs> Alpine removable face deck and yes. MB quotes highs and lows and just like bumping that Mandalorian theme song down the street. Cause that <laughs> shit is so fucking good. Oh my gosh. Hey, when you were on PCL, that was the, the episode where you guys were talking about the prodigy, right? Uh, what's the prodigy? I forgot the music band. Oh, at the, not my proudest moment. <laughs> okay, I thought that was you. Okay, having, what's funny? To the, dude, as soon as I was done, I was like, did I just say smack my bitch up on on a podcast? Like, I'm not, not, I'm really not that person. My wife would kill me. <laughs> okay, so speaking of cars with subwoofers, after I heard that episode, I texted this to Brian. But um, when I was in high school, I had an 83 Mustang hatchback. <laughs> and I had it had T tops in it, which was pretty rare for a Mustang, but it was pretty mm-hmm. cool. It had T tops, and I put uh, eight inch Rockford Fosgates in the back in like a bandpass box, and these fucking things thumped like they were twelves. Like people were always shocked when they just found out they were eight inch subs because they hit so hard. And it also right. sounded even better because there's a hatchback, right? Mm-hmm. So the small town I grew up in, Center Point, every year would have you know like their parade thing. And it worked out that for whatever reason, I made a left when I should have made a right. And now I was the last car in the parade. (laughs) Yes, dude. I have a story very similar, but go ahead. And so I was like, I was really into the prodigy at that time. And so I just put it on smack my bitch up and just fucking Ah. cranked it and was just rattling store windows going as the last car in the parade. (laughs) Damn. How great is that bass in that song? Dude, that bomb. I've never, I haven't actually heard one person like reach out to me about that episode ever. Like <laughs> I, I didn't know, dude, Brian started that episode. Like when I, my, that was my first like full episode. I was on like, uh, I was, I was doing like a news for the DC fandom or whatever. I want for an episode. I don't know if you remember that. Okay. But this was my first time ever on PCL. And, uh, like everybody's like, oh, you're gonna love it. Like, first of all, be prepared for like a seven hour thing, because even <laughs> if the episode is only like three and a half or four, he does like an hour before you sit around and bullshit, and then like two hours afterwards you bullshit, and there's all these breaks in between where they're thirty minute. Like it's instantaneous when you listen to it, but like the breaks are always like thirty minutes, and they go on tangents. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this motherfucker Brian comes on, and he goes, hey guys, and it's me and Winkler, and. <laughs> And Winkler had just been on an episode not too long ago where he got pretty pretty drunk and they were like kind of making fun of him for it, you know, just kind of giving him the business. So like this episode, he came like I, I think clean and sober, you know, and it was like <laughs> like I'm not gonna let that happen again. So I got like a sober Winkler and Brian gets on and he's like, Hey guys, I got a headache, so I'm not really into this, but uh here we go. And he pushes record. <laughs> We do like a three-hour episode, and as soon as it's over, he goes, all right, guys, I'm going to bed, man. Have a good one. Thanks for being on, and then turns it off, and I'm like, oh, that was the episode that I was on. But apparently I was the only one drinking, but I brought a a piss bucket with me on that one so I wouldn't have to get up every five seconds. (laughs) I'm I'm kidding. I didn't do that. A piss bucket bucket has featured on their episodes before. There was one episode oh, really? where they were recording in a they were recording in a basement, like Frank's basement, and I think he went and peed in a bucket. Oh, I mean, <laughs> just I like thought... a few steps away from where they're recording. <laughs> oh, really? Just right there in the room, huh? Yes. <laughs> uh, 
That's awesome. I wish I could listen to some of like the greatest hits, man. Because I, I I came on like, like two three years ago. So, but um, yeah, I yeah, started man. listening to PCL got to- when they the when their Deadpool episode came out. And oh yeah, that's, so that was, that was like, way before, yeah, it was like a, a like a hundred and low hundreds, and and so then I went back and, and listened and, and caught up to where I was, and wow, that's a commitment. Yeah, and they I don't know the leftover army is just the best. They're the best group of people. I mean, it was it's really good. Um, because yeah, I think I joined the leftover army pages and there was only like thirty to forty people on there, and wow, there's a fuckload now. God, PCL is the only, the first podcast I ever listened to in my entire life. Like, actually really? listened to ever. Nice. I, I wasn't a podcaster. I just I was I was doing comic book stuff, and I was like, I want to just while I'm doing this comic book shit, like sc- scrolling through books. I want to listen to people talk about comic books and movies and stuff. So I just went to look it up, and I just found that one. And I started playing, it and it's like, wow, maybe I should listen to more podcasts, but I still really haven't, except for all the the leftover army podcasts that have spun off of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then uh, going to C two E two and meeting all you guys and like pretty much blending right in right away, like that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a really good community of really caring, awesome people. And, yeah, and, I'm glad to be a part of it, man. I really am because like me I've met like, such awesome people. Like, I mean, Neil, of course, I talk to you every week, and Paul Hart, and Rebecca, and you, and I mean Dan Ramirez. I mean, even though I really, I'm a pretty avid listener to Heroes of Noise now. Like, I I didn't know anything about it till he handed me a pen at CTU. He's like, dude, check out our show. <laughs> I know, isn't I'm their like, podcast great? Oh, it's fucking awesome. Dan I love their show. Does. They're so awesome. Yeah, and his voice, man. His voice is like the top three of the, the you three, him, Neil, and you. I just fucking love it. By the way, it is called good The company, Inner Light, and it is season five, episode 25. Excellent. The Inner Light. Yeah. No, no, Dude, you I'll have tell to you, work. every once in a while, man, Teen Titans Go fucking hits, and it that's is hilarious. fucking brilliant. Dude, um, that's hilarious that you didn't even know it, and he came out saying that I just learned how to play the trombone. Yeah. <laughs> so random. <laughs> are you are you reading um you said you're star wars are you reading high uh high republic uh no no i really? i haven't i haven't read a star wars novel in quite a few years now um the last ones i re- would have read would were probably like the timothy zahn like the original tr- timothy zahn trilogy otherwise like the the newest star wars stuff i've read is just like star wars comics that are now in canon yeah yeah, so that's what this is. This is the High Republic. Is, a, is, is they just started with number one last month? Oh, it's a comic. Uh huh. Oh Jesus, you should have but, cut me off a long time ago. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> like Joe, it's a comic. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a comic, and it, it's building the base of like the the three or four shows that are going to be about the High Republic. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So who's the writer um, on it? We got a variant coming out for number three. I'm gonna look this um, up right now. Yeah, like a super, uh, like uh, it's like a um, exclusive like variant for for us and the the, the team that I work with on that uh, Elite Comics Eleven page. So uh, probably not supposed to reveal it, but there's this really awesome artist that's going to be doing a homage to one of his classic covers and in the Star Wars theme. So it's going to be incredible. So yeah i'm 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 loving it i'm loving I'm loving the world they're building with the high Republic because it's the one part of Star Wars that I didn't really know anything about is the beforehand you know what I mean yeah and that that deep history in it is some cool shit too yeah so i'm 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 really trying to get into it to get myself ready for the all the shows 
Okay, and you know, it's, I'm not it's really, called Star Wars: The High Republic. High Republic, yeah. Okay. I'm not really looking forward to like, you know, puppet Yoda flying around and doing these spin saber moves like we saw <laughs> in in the prequels. Which See, you know, I'm one of the rare people that when I saw Yoda doing that shit, I was like, "Fuck yeah, that was fucking rad!" A little guy who's that strong in the Force, of course he'd fight like that. And then everybody else was like, "It's flippity do bullshit." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah. I could have just done a." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that's how yeah, I feel too. I, I kind of thought it was cool, but you know, I like you guys. I just think it was one too many flips. That's all. No, it's it like is, a little it is over the parkour top, shit where you're bouncing off some walls, but like, 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 you know, what was it? Would be like a nine sixty in the air. Like, I don't need that many degrees no, it, turning it, around. It, it, they they did go like way. You're right. <laughs> it's too much spinning. But like yeah, all the jumping cool. around and stuff, like that totally makes sense. Did did you ever watch the, the Clone Wars um, animated I series? I tried to watch Clone Wars. I tried to watch Rebels. I can never get through the first episode. I don't. It's just I, – I know that it probably gets better, but it just – it feels like a kid's show and I don't – it's hard for me to get invested. I need a little bit of darkness. I gotcha. If I'm going to watch, you know what I mean? With Clone Wars, there's definitely episodes sprinkled in where you're like, this is some little kid shit. But then there's mm-hmm. also other stuff sprinkled in where you're like, wow, this is seriously dark, awesome. So, I mean, you, you, you take the good and the bad with it. But the very yep. first episode of Clone Wars is like kind of a Yoda specific episode. Yeah, and that's like, the one. That's, that's another one, one that I absolutely love. It's like, this that's is. The, that's the one you haven't been able to get past. <laughs> I think that's the one. That's the one where they, they meet with. Um, those creatures that repair shit. Yeah, the Toydarians. Yeah, with the little wings. Yep. And they meet there to like decide which way they're gonna go. Yeah, if with, they're gonna side with, with the Separatists. Right. Or yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only episode I've seen. <laughs> yep. And then after yeah. that, there's very few standalone episodes. It's like almost every episode, like it works as a standalone, but it's part of a larger arc that'll usually be like three to four episodes long. Yeah, and it's all canon, right? Yes, that's cool. Yes, I like because there's some really gap story world, obviously. Um, yeah, and there's some like, um, what is it in Rebels? There is a fight in Rebels between Ahsoka and Vader, and it's mm-hmm. in that fight when she like really fully accepts that okay vader is anakin and like she cuts the the mask so she can actually see some of anakin's face under it mm-hmm. and i mean that fight is fucking chilling and when vader comes into the fight he's like flying in like his tie fighter is flying down in and bringing him to the fight and he's fucking standing on top of it oh <laughs> with like his sick. saber already lit like ready to go and like, <laughs> and like ahsoka's waiting for him on top of like an underground sith temple Really? So I didn't know was being taken to by Maul. Dude, that got to get in that. That episode just, just, I think it's called like Shadow of the Empire and it's a two part episode if I'm remembering in Rebels and it might be season three finale, season two finale maybe. Anyway, it would be worth just going and watching that one by itself just so you can see this fight because it's like there's this poll where, where Maul discovers Ezra. And Maul is trying to bring Ezra over to the dark side. Okay. And but Ezra more, he's just trying to to learn more. And so like he's not really trying to go to the dark side, but he's definitely flirting with it. And so he kind of goes with Maul to this temple. And Maul, of course, has got his own agenda. And then 
Kanan and Ahsoka come following after to try and rescue Ezra. And then the Empire gets clued into where they're at. And then that's how Vader joins the fight by the end of the oh, episode. Shit. It is fucking incredible, dude. Dude, I want to find out who this Thrawn guy is. I'm I'm just all in on like when I saw the picture of him on the comic books like that he was in, I'm like, dude, I want to find out who this guy is. So um Thrawn was originally introduced in the the Timothy Zahn novels. Okay. That I had referenced earlier. There's um these books came out and they were um they're not considered canon anymore, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Thrawn was such – Grand Admiral Thrawn was such a compelling character that Dave Filoni wrote him into Rebels with like a very similar – like like he had to have done it in tandem with Timothy Zahn because there is a, a canon Thrawn series that's, that's in now that was actually written by Timothy Zahn and sure. they took that Thrawn character that is now – canon and put him in rebels and hmm. so you actually see quite a bit of him in the later seasons of rebels and that's why in that episode of the mandalorian with ahsoka why she's saying you know where's thrawn because right. at, at the end of, of rebels thrawn and ezra just disappear into hyperspace mm-hmm. and so they're like why is ezra with thrawn uh, I think it's just the way that that fight kind of panned out at the end um, i'd have okay. to go back and rewatch it again but okay. there's these um, creatures that are they're like basically like these big space whales. Of course, they're. <laughs> oh wait a minute! Speaking of speaking of Star Trek, <laughs> they've had space whales there. <laughs> yeah, the the premise of, of Star Trek for the voyage home. They oh had yeah, to yeah. Get these whales back to the future. The humpback whales, yeah, because that doomsday yeah. device is there and it pretty much only speaks with humpbacks, but they've Correct. been extinct by that point, right? Correct. Yeah. Hell yeah! I remember watching that movie right. on VHS nice. when I was a kid. Nice. Um. I can't remember. Uh, pergolas. I think they're called pergolas. Yeah. And they're supposed to be in the show too, I heard. Yeah. And, and they basically can travel through hyperspace. And, and in the in the history of Star Wars canon, they say that he, uh, people's observations of the pergolas is what led to them discovering hyperdrives and, okay. hi- and hyperspace and stuff. But anyway, Ezra has huh. like an affinity where his, his force power, he's really good at communicating with like animals and creatures and stuff. Uh-huh. And so him and Thrawn end up on a pergol, and then it they take off, and then they're not seen again. If, that if was I'm the end of it, and we never got any closure to that. Not yet, but apparently we're going to get it in live to. action, which is yeah, super fucking, fucking exciting. awesome, <laughs> right? Yeah, I just want to get into it because I, I I was the first time I ever saw Return of the Jedi. No, uh, well, it's called the New Hope, I guess. Um, was in theaters with the remastered. So 1996. Nice. That's the first time I ever saw it. I never, never saw it on TV or anything growing up. Yeah. I, and, I grew up watching the VHSs cause they, they had them at my local library. And so I'd ride my bike down there and check out all three of them. Yeah. But see that I was lucky because that's the first time I'm seeing them is in the theater and they released them two weeks apart from each other. Yeah. Yeah. But what sucks is you never got to see the original theatrical releases. Then you, you always seen them. With all the bullshit that George Lucas yeah, added after, yeah, with like the fact. Uh, Jabba the Hutt walking around, like talking to Han, at like right, yeah, because that wasn't it, in that wasn't in there. No, in in like it ranges from innocent to egregious, in my opinion. This mm-hmm. the stuff that the that Lucas did there, like cleaning up like some of the explosions and stuff, and like making those look a little bit more modern. That's fine, but then of course they go way too far on some of them. And make yeah. it more look like a star, like a fireworks display when something blows up, 
or like the shit that they did in Return of the Jedi, adding in like all the like animated singing bullshit. It's like, what the fuck is this? Oh yeah. Oh God. What the fuck was that? Yeah. All the fucking stuff they've done with like making Greedo move around. Even uh-huh. though it, without all that, we wouldn't get McClunky, which is one of the funniest fucking things in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to set my phone so when I get text messages, it says that. And every time someone texts me, I'll fucking giggle. That's awesome. McClunky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Like I said, I just – I wish I, I – I need to deep dive because uh, I want to get into this world that's coming up because it's going to be – like Mandalorian was great. Like I wasn't – you know. I, I was one of the people that like was actually holding their breath until Luke pulled the thing off his head. You know what I mean? Like, cause I, I didn't know, like it was obvious, you know, especially in hindsight. But if you were like a super star Wars fan, like you see the green saber, you see the, the, the one glove, you, see, you know, the black robes and all that. <laughs> like it, it was obvious, but like, I didn't know. Cause I was like, maybe it's obvious and they're going to do a switcheroo. I kept thinking because listening to that PC episode that it was going to be Mace Windu. I really thought that it was going to be him. That um, whole time that I was watching that episode, uh-huh. with all the hints they were laying out. First, it's the X-wing, right? And then it's like the the belt buckle, and then you see the 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 or the color of the lightsaber, and then you kind of see his belt buckle and his pants and stuff, and then you see the one gloved hand, uh-huh. and the other hand's not, and so like. Each each one of those is a further step in confirmation that you're about to see Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. But still, it's like your mind's like going, no, no, I'm, I'm not about to see Luke Skywalker. That, that's and what so, I did the whole time. Yeah, I'm like, so no, they're just fucking with me it, somehow. It was like, you know how like there's a certain order of things you do when you're going to take your dog for a walk and your dog uh-huh. knows what those things are. And yep. as you – as they check each box, their excitement grows more and more and more. They're like, oh, yeah. he's putting his shoes on. Okay, they do that sometimes. Well, get a coat. Oh, oh, wait a minute. What well, could this, mean? this could mean anything. He's, but He's it, got a bag. Also. He's got a bag. Why has he got a bag? Oh, fuck. He's grabbing my leash. <laughs> you know, like that was me watching that Star Wars. Oh. You know, like, like my kids were laughing at me because I was literally like jumping up and down in front of the couch being like, I can't believe we're getting this. <laughs> Oh my god! Dude. Like, I was acting like more of a kid than they were, you know. <laughs> I was just like, you know, those times where you just like on the edge, like you literally, your body is physically on, like your butt is hanging off. You got your hands on your face. I mean, that doesn't happen very often, especially <laughs> no. to me. You know what I mean? I just like, I was like, oh shit, that was cool. Or like when something's really funny, I go, oh man, now that's hilarious. I don't like bellyache laugh. I just confirm out loud to myself that that was funny. But this, like, I was out of my body watching it. And I know that the real purists probably hate every second of it. But me, it was, like, built for me. Like, right in the middle kind of fan. Just, like, this is fucking awesome. Like, I didn't even care. Like, later on, I'm like, yeah, did you see his mouth barely moved? Fucking cares. Who cares? Any Star Wars fan that's going to bitch about that finale, like, I'd just cut him off and be like, dude, fuck you. Like, like, (laughs) Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I'm I was not gonna, like, oh, the CGI wasn't perfect. It's like, oh my god! Like, you, do you remember the CGI in the original Star Wars? That sucked pickled dicks, man. Nobody fucking <laughs> like it was fucking terrible. In a lot, of, I mean, it's a lot of the practical effects were amazing. Yeah, a lot of it was not. The Vaseline yeah. on the screen, on the screen, on like the lens shit did not mm-hmm. fucking work. <laughs> and it's that's, true. I mean, that's what led Lucas to 
you know, re-releasing a lot of those is because he's like, when he had that finger, that technology, his fingertips of the late nineties, early two thousands, he wanted to do something better with it. And he just went too far in my opinion. Yeah. Um, total tangent. Did you ever see that South Park episode where they made fun of that? Yeah. <laughs> the free hat episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. I always get confused with the crystal skull episode though. Oh, all oh, that crystal skull episode is so terrible. <laughs> oh, like when they raped Indiana oh, Jones. God, like, oh my God. Famous movie rape scenes. It was just terrible. Oh, oh, so bad. Yeah, free hat was a lot more easy yes. to watch. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Man, South Park, man, say whatever you want about it, but Jesus Christ, is there more topical, smart, intelligent show like ever? Like I just – I don't know. It makes fun of both sides. It's so on point with its takes. Like, mm-hmm. ugh. I, no, I they're, just, the, they're the best like social commentary in satire that we have. And like watching that documentary, how the episodes are made and how like there's this crazy time crunch and how they make them week to week. Mm-hmm. That's the shit that like made sense to me. It's like, oh, that's why I could hear something in the news and then these guys are covering it five days later. <laughs> yeah, they're that fast. Geniusly. You know what I mean? But uh, hey, did you – I don't know if this is what you want to do and feel free to say no to this. But okay. like I don't really have anybody to talk to, to talk about WandaVision to. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to, I would be down. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. Dude, but obviously I was, you want to say spoilers or whatever the fuck you got to oh, say. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so spoilers for WandaVision. Uh, we were recording this on Saturday, the 30th of January. And so we are going to be talking about the newest episode that just came out on the 29th of January. Spoilers ahead. Okay, is that it? That's it. I think we're good okay, to go. Okay, cool. Not to play like music or anything or like sirens or anything. <laughs> As close as I got. (laughs) That fucking sound effect. I don't know what it is about that sound effect, but it never gets old to me. It's always fucking hilarious. It is a good one. Oh man, like I it 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 should have already been old, but every time I hear it, it makes me fucking laugh. (laughs) I think that's why it's funny. It's like it's up there with like the Wilhelm scream. It's, it's so good. And I listened to some like early like 2000 songs and that fucking that, – that's actually in a song or whatever. And I was like, oh, this is fucking great. Um, yeah, man. So like what's going on? Like we got a lot of answers, but but we didn't. The biggest question I have is it's cosmic energy. What the fuck does that mean? And they is, said it twice. Is that, well, is cosmic energy – is that just – is that the type of magic? That that Wanda uses um, mm-hmm. after I admittedly yeah. I hadn't read too much <clears throat> like specifically like Wanda and Vision stuff in the comics and so right. after the first couple episodes came out and people kept con- uh, comparing it to Tom King's run of Vision and the um, uh, Bendis's run of House of M I read both of those mm-hmm. and. Um, so when I did that last episode with Rod, I think I was talking about how I just started Vision. And so I read both of those trades now. Holy shit. I don't know if you've ever read that or not. No, the one where like the first one is like literally like them on a doorstep. Yes. Yeah. yeah I have read not read both it, those no. trades because, whoa, whoa. I so like, is it like, lining up with this shit other than just like the baby and creating this whole fake world of this perfect, perfect life. Is it other things lining up? Like is Monica Rambeau in the story? 
in Tom King's vision, there's really nothing going on in that that has any relevance to the show other than it's just vision trying to live like a normal life. Right. So, so far I don't, or like, you know, like a suburban life. So I don't really see the parallels to that. I can more see where there could be parallels from house of M. Right. But, um, I guess what I was kind of getting towards was in house of M. Um, I think they referred to Wanda's magic as chaos magic. It is. That's correct. Okay. Which I had never heard that before. Mm -hmm. And so in in the MCU, are they doing something different? And are they saying that it's cosmic magic because Wanda's power in the MCU, it's not spawned of a or born of a mutant ability. It's right. born from the one of the 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 stones, know, the, the stones which would yeah, be the cosmic energy. Right. It, so it sounds like they're trying to me just from listening to people talk about it, and it makes sense. It sounds like they're trying to not retcon that, but trying to be like. Okay, yes, she was a mutant and she has powers, but the Mind Stone woke them up. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's not like her powers were created from the Mind Stone. It's that she inherently was picked because she had this gene that was able to be manipulated and the Mind Stone was just the key to unlocking that. Okay, yeah, because in Age of Ultron, they do say that all the other experiments failed and the twins were the only ones that succeeded. So the going theory is it succeeded because the stone actually unlocked their mutant abilities, which were just late. Right. They had this latent, right, they had this latent gene, this recessant gene inside of them, which we'll find out in the future. And, uh, you know, of course, if Brian and many other people's theories correct is that in House of M, when she screams no more mutants, she's going to scream and and, and that chaos magic is going to pulsate out from her and that will unlock all the genes around the world for mutants, which is very similar to the Inhuman storyline. Yeah, with the Terrigen Mist being right, Terrigen Mist, right. So, you know, and of course we know that that Inhumans was something they really did want to do at one point, and kind of pulled back on that for, which is really strange if you think about the Inhumans in the MCU. I thought it was a business decision. Well, I don't know what it was. I I, I've read things and none of it really. It's never really came out. Like the only like failed thing that the MCU have ever really tried to put together is inhumans. But like, why did it fail? Like what? They didn't even give it a chance. Like what happened? Um, I remember a long time ago, there was a guy that I tangentially worked with who was, he had such a immensely broad knowledge of like deep Marvel history. Okay. And so when these new MCU movies would come out, like I remember the first time I saw Deadpool, and I told him about it. He started quizzing me on all the Easter eggs. He's uh-huh. like, "What'd you miss? Would you?" He's like, "He's like, no. What is the huge Easter egg that you're missing here?" And I'm like, "I don't know what you're talking about, Dan." And he's like, "The final fight. What did it take place on?" I'm like, "I have no idea." He's like, "It was a fucking helicarrier." And I'm like, "Oh, it was." <laughs> so, you know, like he. And so at one point, I asked him, "I'm like, what's up with the Inhumans?" And he explained it that Marvel kind of came up with the Inhumans as a way to shelf the X-Men because they didn't own the movie rights to the X-Men anymore. And so they felt like, why are we putting out this stuff that's, you know, we're not making the full money on. And so they kind of back, you know, shelved the X-Men and tried to bring the Inhumans and in, Inhumans into prominence, but it really didn't work with the fan base as much. And so that's why they brought the X-Men back. That was his take on it. I, I don't know the veracity of that statement, but 
mm-hmm. it feels like it could hold water. I don't know. Does the defense's case hold water? <laughs> Sorry. It's the only time anytime everybody says hold water, I could just I just hear Joe Pesci saying that. <laughs> My cousin Vinny. And Marissa Tomei saying, No, the defense is wrong. <laughs> Sorry. We're not still recording, are we? <laughs> I love My Cousin Vinny. That's one of those movies on VHS that I used to watch on repeat when I was a kid. Oh, God. I could probably write the script down verbatim. (laughs) Seriously. I did say that. Would you say that? (laughs) The two what? (laughs) The two utes? (laughs) So I chose this. This ridiculous outfit for you. Are you mocking me with that suit? <laughs> Do you hear that? The whole store has the flu. Do you hear that? <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, let's stop. let's stop. No, this is good. Whenever we talk about Joe Pesci, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> you always got to be asking about Chinese food. <laughs> all right, all right. All right. I'm, I'm definitely done. Sorry. But um, so Chaos Magic – is something that she possesses and I forget what what run it is but Mephisto and Agatha Harkness team up to steal her chaos magic because they want to use it and they're trying to unlock the dark hold and open portals to the other dimensions and the reason why I got into all this is because when they first released WandaVision, I was trying to figure out which way they were going to go with it. And I didn't think Mephisto. I thought of, of of another entity. But like I also thought that was a really awesome way for them to open the portals to the Marvel monsters that will be coming in. Ooh. Because eventually one of those portals opens up and Dracula comes through. And I just thought that, that eventually they're going to create a – Moon Knight, Werewolf by Night, Dracula Blade kind of subworld. And those ha- those haven't existed yet. And I thought that this was a kind of a, a way they were going to open up several portholes. And one of them would be the cosmic side of things, you know, where Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to end up going mm-hmm. and going to run into Eternity and the Celestials and all those beings. And then the other side be the Marvel monster side. And of course the side, the street level side where you have, you know, FBI and sword and like what, no, well, even though sword is in street level. So I, I do believe that sword is tying all three of those together. Shield is, is like the street level Hydra shit where sword can do what shield used to do and worry about cosmic threats and worry about monsters. You see what I'm saying? Because that's what mm-hmm. they encompass. They encompass all those things. So the, the the fact that our very first show that we're getting here really dives it deep into sword is a really good indication that they're going, you know, not just cosmic but also weird. You know? Yeah, they're definitely leaning into the weird. In yeah. This. Oh, and, no and, but, shit. but that's what I've been liking so much about this is that in that first episode, it's like, okay, we're gonna give you a little taste of weird. In the second episode, it's like, we're going to give you a little bit bigger taste of weird. Third episode, mm-hmm. way more so. And then I love how this fourth episode is, we're going to pull the curtain back, 
We're going to give you this character's point of view and the surrounding characters outside of this town. We're going to give you their point of view and just get you right back caught up to speed. It, now going into the fifth episode, our timeline is you know presumably going to be right about where we were at the end of the third episode. But now right. we're all kind of caught up on all sides of it. And I liked how it was like that episode last night gave us – a bunch of, you know, quote unquote answers, but really it's only answers insofar as the way that these other characters on the outside understand the situation and us having, which seen they the, don't exactly, which they right. don't and which we feel like as the viewer, we might understand a little bit better because we've got some more of the background knowledge on it, but, but still not so much. I mean, there's still so many questions left on, on, Unanswered. Like, I'm really, really curious is what's up with the, the two finger salute, like the Mephisto salute, like in every one of these weird ass commercials. And the Did commercials you... also reference things that, I mean, it referenced Stark Industries in the first one, but then it was referencing Hydra. It was referencing Baron Strucker. Like, what, it, what is this stuff? And what's up with all the hexagons? Is that going to bring AIM in? Yeah, I mean, that's what everybody says, AIM. Because even, even Jimmy Wu on the board, did you, did you see him write? What's with all the hexagons? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually wanted to go back and pause it on that board because I, I guarantee you there's really interesting things on there. And why are all um, the sword personnel stuck in the town also? Like what were they doing there? Wait, those are sword personnel? That's what I thought. It was like, why didn't the, it was like, oh, hey, so-and-so's playing so-and-so. And they were saying it like, oh, we know who this person is. And then it was like well, they I were think, putting a, th- no, a thing think, up there no. saying it was like a sword person. I didn't think I, I didn't think that. I thought that that sword document was just like a printout of their information, and but then their of, license. But was some of them had like it. a sword document that was like official, looking like a dossier or whatever, and others just had oh. a regular one. Oh, I didn't. Again, I did I've not. only seen the episode once, and, and it they was all had night. New Jersey license, uh, driver's license, though. Okay, all of them did. Wow. So, so I was I just, just assuming some of them were like sword personnel, but maybe oh, I need I to go back know. and maybe, rewatch it. But, I, I could be completely wrong because I definitely you said you, like you said they said the sword logo and then it was the, their license on top of that. Okay, but I but you're right. It could be it could have been sword because why would why does sword need to stamp the word sword on every piece of paper they put out? You know, so that doesn't really make that much sense. I didn't see you didn't see what's her name up there though. You didn't see Agatha, Agatha Harkness up there. Agnes up there. Hmm. Did you notice that? Oh yeah, yeah, she wasn't up there. It talks about that a bunch of further supports the the theory that that Catherine yeah. Hahn's character is maybe Agatha Harkness and she's in there using her magic mm-hmm. to blend in or whatever, right? Yeah, to me, there's only three like players in there that are really part of the story. That's not side characters. It's Monica Rambeau that just happened to get sucked in, as we find out, mm-hmm. and Wanda, who is the center of all this, and 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 Ag- the rest and Agatha. Or, or Agnes or Agatha Harkness, but all of those other people, I think they just happened to get caught up in there, and now they're playing a role. Because the dude said in episode three, it's like she's here because, and he was about to break character, and then you know Agnes stopped him, right? Yeah, and and kind of coached him back into like, and she clearly does not want Monica Rambeau in there. Yeah, well, and that's the interesting. That's the because she was casting doubt on her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So She's like she doesn't have a home. She doesn't belong here. The only thing that that I thought was was weird that I don't ever heard too many people touch on was that the first three episodes, particularly the first two, were tests. 
And who the heck is performing that test? Because if you watch the scene where the boss comes over for dinner, right? Uh-huh. Everything is, is awful. Like nothing is going right. The, the boss is upset at every turn, right? He's like, well, we're starved. We're famished. We're, my wife, his head is spinning. That's something I don't want my wife to do. You're in trouble. And it just, everything was bad. They sit down to eat. He chokes. Like the wife says, stop it over and over and over again. And she's like laughing, like sound. It's on the surface. It's it's her telling her husband to stop choking, like stop messing around. But then if you see her gaze turns to Wanda, and she's saying, "Stop it, stop it," meaning you do something to stop him from choking. Uh-huh. And then she turns to Vision and goes, "You know, help him." And then Vision goes and pulls it out. So, and as soon as that happens. They leave. They said, well, you look at the time. And he's like, you got a big promotion ahead of you. Why? Nothing went well in that dinner. So they passed the test. They test Wanda to see if she's going to, you know, perform. Like, is this lady really magic? Like, can she do these things? We're going to go over to have this dinner and pretend and see if we can actually, actually have her display her powers. And her powers were basically telling vision to do it but but we kind of already know that that's not actually vision that's probably just like an extension of her at this point and then maybe in episode four we actually see that maybe it's not it's actually vision but it's vision's dead body that she's reanimating oh wasn't that part great dude that was freaky i said what the fuck you know (laughs) that made my kids both go what the fuck (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah so I, i i think that first one and then the second episode What's the thing that they kept saying over and over again for the children, yeah. right? So then she becomes pregnant at the end of the episode. So the test – the second test I thought was let's see if they can do this magic trick and like kind of display their powers, which they kind of do. And they kept saying for the children, like you need to go further with this. I want you to create life. So they, she creates life. So to me, it's, it's – to me – the obvious thing is that she created this place to, to deal with her. And, and honestly, now that I saw episode four, it probably supports that even better. That Because when she tossed Monica out of there, she like covered it up. Yeah. So that means either – if you look at her expression though, and almost it almost looked like she was coming back into her own body and then regretted what she did right away. Every time that her voice gets more serious – because they in the first episode when she's like vision help him like she she's uh-huh. not she's doing it in like her regular voice not like the right, the, exactly. the persona Stick she's up. putting on for the the type of you know episode they're recording or whatever and then in the second episode she gets more serious uh you know with the bee keeper guy coming out of the sewer and she's like no and then so i i, I guess what and I'm then we find out my biggest episode, question is 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 she being fooled by this as well and like her real personality only comes out at times when things are being challenged. And it's almost like her real personality is like coming to the surface, pissed off that it's having to come to the surface. And so it t- quickly takes care of it and then almost puts her back into a dream state as well. Basically, it, what I'm asking is, is she drinking her own Kool-Aid here or does she know that this is a sham the entire time? I would have said that she's kind of on. Un- 
aware of what's happening until I saw this episode. Then we saw the scene where she throws Monica out. Now, why is it getting edited? That's the question, right? Yeah. Is she preventing that stuff from being seen by the outside world or is there a, a different – is there something else at play? Is, I like your idea that it's Agatha Harkness and, and Mephisto teamed up together trying to do something. Like, right. like they almost like someone told her, you know, like, hey, you could do this and have what you wanted, you know, but without revealing. But if you do that, I'm also going to be able to benefit in this way, this way, and this way. Because I was, I just continue to think that they're trying to get her to display what she can do, so they can learn what that is and try to get in there and manipulate her. Because I do like the idea on on Discord that a couple of people were talking about that at the end of the series, she's 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 evil. She's 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 going to be a she's going to be the main antagonist of Doctor Strange uh, and the Multitude of Madness. That could be really like, cool. I, I like that theory, you know, but I do think that. If that's the case, it's going to be possession of – and I, everybody says it's Mephisto. I think it's Chathon. I personally think it's Chathon. Who's that? Because – well, so it's he's a real ancient – he's one of the, the, the very beginning – and this is the, and this is the only thing in this entire episode that confirms – nobody listens to me or believes me on this because it's really – nobody knows <laughs> who the hell it is. And I don't blame them. I'm not saying, oh, you guys are idiots. It's not Mephisto. It's this guy because I'm probably wrong because why would they go with this guy when when people at least genuinely genuinely know who the devil is and Mephisto? But um, Chathon is an ancient – like one of the very first beings after the Big Bang. And when they said Big Bang here in cosmic energy, I said, holy shit, it is Chathon. It's hard for me to pronounce his name. Chathon, C-H-T-H-O-N. He's one of the the very like beginning entities at the beginning times and the celestials and eternity and like just just the, the most ancient beings in the universe that kind of came about when 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 the big bang happened and the different personalities split off and the, and and the, and because remember the mind the the infinity stones were from the big bang mm-hmm. and they separated the the main forces of the universe and with those main forces came entities around them, and one of those entities was was evil, and uh, uh, Jathon is, is 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 the embodiment of that. It's an ancient creature. Well, he got locked away um, in the dark hole. So the dark hole book, who's, which is a huge part of of Wanda's um, history, is is her unlocking that dark hole and opening it back up trying to like bring balance and like trying to find ways to make her her magic useful and powerful she turned to the dark hold and when she opened up that dark hold so my theory from day one is that when she lost vision she's been trying to like bring him back and what happened was she found the dark hold somebody told her about it whatever the case may be she went to it she's so desperate to bring vision back and then somebody told me there was a scene that was cut from in game where they showed a body bag and Wanda opening up the body bag and vision's body was in it i i'd never heard anything about that no i don't think i have either yeah so that might be i don't know where that came from but but if that's the truth if there was a cut scene that they cut out where she actually like takes vision's body 
that that supports what I was thinking that that uh, that she's going to try anything to bring him back and take his body. She consults the dark hold. The dark hold opens up, starts to find out who this lady is, and then says, "Oh, okay, she's a vessel of great power. I'm going to." break away from my prison which was the dark hole book and possess her so i can come back to the realms and then and in the comic books that happens they wanda wanda's possessed for three issues lays havoc to the world and opens up these portals that bring in all kinds of entities to to the marvel universe that's what i always thought was going to happen in this series but then I was watching and I'm like, I don't know. I don't see this now. But then when I heard cosmic energy, that's that's right away. I said, oh, shit. Am I actually the only person in the world that's thinking it's, it's not Mephisto? <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I, I, in more, I'm just buying into the Mephisto thing just because of all the, the like, that kind of the, that two finger thing that you see. Yeah. It's like they really laid that heavy in those commercials. Yeah, but the two fingers is a satanic salute. Right? Yeah. Okay, so Sithon is, 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 is the beginning of evil. So, if anything, Sithon is, is the devil's dad. Okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? So, so just because a satanic symbol is happening doesn't necessarily mean it is absolutely, you know, Mephisto. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it can still mean evil, because like I said, it's, he's the embodiment of, he's the beginning of evil. Yeah, I looked him up. On uh, MarvelFandom.com. He is fucking creepy looking. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would imagine. I don't know if it's going to be that. I don't know. Maybe. Feige does like to do some weird shit. <laughs> you know I'm what so I mean? excited about all this stuff. But um, Okay, so that, that was episode four. How many episodes total are we getting to this? Is nine. it six or? Oh, it's nine? Nine. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So we're. Next week will be. We're almost halfway. Yeah, and this one was a little longer than the other three, but not by much, because even when you see the episode length, you got to minus the eight minutes of credits in both directions. <laughs> Very true, which is crazy for a TV show. But but I mean, it's a high quality TV show. Yeah, mm. so I don't know. I, I just think that that this is a good jumping off point. If like, and then you know. Just bringing in new characters on the cosmic level, you know, and and the fact, like I said, the fact that they mentioned that it's Big Bang Theory level of energy just brings you back to those ancient creatures. Yeah. Well, and by the way, Eternity. Other... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Eternity is one of those characters that that my friend at the MCU brought up. Just oh. to let you know. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm wondering how much more of that we're going to get because they got these other movies coming out with the Eternals and stuff in them. So it's it's like it oh, they're clearly they're setting to, up yes the cosmic side of things for sure, and an ancient cosmic side, which is why I, I pointed towards towards uh, Shathan. But whatever. <laughs> but the Darkhold was already used in Agents of Shield, so that's, I don't know. That's what I recognized yeah. it from because that's the only problem it was in that with season that. with uh, Ghost Rider, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Because I didn't watch that full season, but I watched the Ghost Rider episodes. Yeah, yeah. Gabriel Luna was fucking rad as Ghost Rider. 
Yeah, I never saw I never saw any of it. I probably should. It's probably worth it. I watched quite I a bit of Agents of Shield overall. Didn't really like it. <laughs> so I've never yeah. gone back and revisited it. But I mean it had some moments in it that were that were decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, none of those Marvel shows have I seen. I didn't watch any Hellstrom. I didn't watch any Cloak or Dagger. I didn't watch either of those either. Yeah. Did you watch the yep. uh, the Netflix ones? I only saw – I did not see Luke Cage. I did not see Jessica Jones. My wife did, surprisingly. She loved it. But I saw um, Punisher and Daredevil and did not see The Defenders, which, which made me very confused when I started watching season three <laughs> of Daredevil. And he was like on death's doorstep. I said, what the fuck happened? Yeah, I didn't. I fell off on those Netflix shows. Like I, I didn't really? watch. What's that? I said, really? Like you just fell right off of them? Because some of them are good. Yeah. I mean, I like I watched the first two seasons of Daredevil, first season of Jessica Jones, first season of Luke Cage, and didn't watch any more of Jessica Jones, didn't watch – I think I might have watched a little bit of Iron Fist. I know I didn't watch any of Defenders. Uh, I did watch The Punisher. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was good. I thought John Bernthal did a great job. But there's no way they're bringing Punisher in for a while at least. <laughs> yeah. Not with all that stuff going on. No, that was kind of my, my thought too is that there's multiple no. reasons why they're not going to be doing that. Yeah, not for a while. Not when the not character the- gets co-opted by fucking morons that don't even understand the character in the first place. Plus, I don't think guns and, and shooting is really, really the area they want to be into right now. Yeah. Yeah, and it'd be easier to get away from that, you know, pushing more over onto the cosmic side of things and leaning more into the magic side of things. Yeah. The, the, the other thing about the connection to Wanda and, and Chathon and all that is that um, Morgan Le Fay, back in medieval times, um was a, a she created a bunch of mystics that were in charge of the dark hole mm-hmm. and her first appearance is also the first appearance of the black knight oh the so, black knight is going to be played by Kit Harrington. exactly exactly so there's lots of ties into like morgan le fay and like i said uh, the uh, dark hole and then the high evolutionary who created <laughs> wanda's adopted mother her, her her father is uh, adoptive father is the wizard, which is a golden age hero. Mm-hmm. And then his her mother is Bova, which I don't know if you. It's a, it was a ridiculous Easter egg, <laughs> but during the opening credits, the same ones that showed the Grim Reaper uh-huh. helmet, there was a sign in the grocery store that said Bova, and Bova's her adopted mother, who's who's a cow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> her like the high evolutionary created that entity that that cow with a human brain and that was supposedly the person who raised wanda That's <laughs> but high evolutionary weird. yeah was suppo- is also a person that created rocket raccoon and, and supposedly guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to explore rocket raccoons rocket raccoons uh like history yeah i he heard came that from. too yeah, and that's High Evolutionary. So High Evolutionary was a big part of like Wanda and, and all that. So yeah, um, it, it, it's, it's all tied together. It, it really is. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised that some of those elements were used. 
for the show, but I, I don't know, man. It, it's about to get real wild. <laughs> well, especially having her kids come in like that, because there was some fucked up stuff that happened in the in the comics with the kids. Because isn't it like since the kids, like they're basically born without souls, and so it, like they had like parts of Mephisto in them instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 you know. Let's not forget whatever Wanda is like creating inside there actually exists outside because we saw two things now. We saw Monica Rambeau's outfit, which she only could have got inside there. Yeah, because she went in wearing modern FBI shit or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she came out wearing seventies clothes. Uh huh. And then we saw the rope that became a jump rope. The rope that became a jump rope, and then when they brought that little drone back out, it looked completely different from the one they were launching in. Wait, they brought one back out? Uh, didn't they? I don't think so. They either brought it back. Or no, they didn't. They, they, bring they had it a out. picture of it. They had a picture. That's that's right. what it was. And it, and it looked like a toy helicopter. Yes. Yep. Yep. But what I'm saying is, like, any of the things that happen on the inside actually still exist outside of there, which means that those kids will still exist if she chooses to bring them out of there. You know, so it, it all might be it all might be a fantasy, but yeah. And in some it, sort of way, she feels like she's trapped there because Vision, when he said we can go anywhere, she said, no, we can't. Which which, which might not mean she's trapped there. It just might mean she's trapping him there. It could be either way. I, I don't know. Yeah. She's saying, no, we can't, meaning I won't allow it. That's a good point. Possibly. I don't know. This is the only episode that made me think that – she was in way more control than I thought she was and way more conscious of everything because it almost seemed like, I don't know, man, I'm starting to think that, that when she does stuff, like you said, her voice changes, you were saying that that's the real her. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm also thinking that that's not her. That's the possession part. That could, Oh, I like that. You know what I mean? Like when she says no, why would she say no? Like if it was really her and there was somebody coming into that world, you know, the only person that could that, – that would hurt is if there is somebody officially doing this to her, they don't want somebody from the outside coming in. So when, when she said no, that could be the possession coming back in and saying, hey, we're going to rewind this. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. No, that, that kind of makes sense and then that would also be the – that could be the same force that's doing this editing too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I honestly don't believe like, I think, like I said, I think she started to do something and she got in over her head and now she's being manipulated. That's the only thing I can think of. And if Dr. Strange, because even in that comment, and it's not house of M there's a, what's the run where she kills Hawkeye. Oh, that's whatever happens before House of M because they reference that stuff at the beginning of the comic. Okay. She kills Hawkeye and Doctor Strange comes in and like basically says all of this is your fault. Like nothing like even redeeming. Like like just completely like pissing all over Wanda and everything that she did. And that's kind of how I believe the direction they're going. That Wanda is just fully going to end up getting possessed. If you have a chance, uh, I don't know if Comicsology has how far back did they go? Like they go back far, right? Quite a bit. Avengers one eighty five through one eighty eight is the storyline where Wanda gets possessed, and oh, gets give it possessed a try. by the uh... by by the Darkhold or by by Shithon. Okay, and. 
and starts fucking everything up. So <laughs> just read it if it's on there just to see if it gives you any points of reference because I think High Evolutionary is in that story and they talk about Wizard, which I honestly believe that was Wizard's urn on the coffee table. Do you, Are you current with PCL? Yes. Yeah, remember how they talk about the wizard urn on the coffee table? Okay. Yeah, like some people were – the episode before they were speculating that that could be Quicksilver. But uh, then – Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's, um, that's the wizard's ashes, the wizard, which is her adopted father from the Golden Age. And you've got the wizard and Bova referenced in the same episode. And then, yeah, I mean those are – People that they talk about in in that Avengers one, uh, one eighty five through uh, one eighty nine or one eighty eight, one of those two. Just give them a read. You know how Bronze Age Marvel is. It's pretty easy. To, <laughs> pretty easy to flip. It's not heavy stuff. Yeah, no, I'll look them up. I, I wrote that down. Avengers one eighty five through one eighty eight. Yeah. Yeah, the retreat to this castle where High Evolutionary is, and shit gets all fucked up. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, every once in a while, I'll go through and and read some of those Golden Age books, like read like you know, like first appearance of whatever character and stuff. Um, yeah, some of them don't hold up well. Some of them have a lot of racist stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how that goes. Whenever you, you know, some I don't know stuff that was created in you know a different world for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah, for better or worse. You even search that. Avengers. Oh, what, on Comixology? Yeah. I've never used it, so I wouldn't know. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just try Avengers 185. Um, Yeah. I I bet Marvel. eh, It's just running kind of slow. It's like an iPad 4. Gotcha. I've got like uh, – I probably have like, I don't know, five or six copies of each one of those, 185, 186, 187. Like, oh, shit. That's how strongly I believed in them. And every time I see them in a dollar bin or $2, I just grab it. So would this and have of course, been from – no? It would be – oh, shit. I mean I can pull the episode out, the issue out. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I found it because it, the – it's Avengers 185. Looks yeah, the 185 up. should be the cover of Quicksilver in the Rain. Yep. Yep. Okay, that's it. Yeah, it's like it's an awesome cover. And then if you go like the cover of 180 186 is um her and Mordred the Mystic. And then I think 187 She's she's standing there, and the Avengers are like hanging upside down, and she's just like yeah. these red eyes. Yeah, yep. yeah, they're they're all here on Comicsology. I'm flipping through cool. all the covers right now. Yeah, give them a read, man. It's uh, I don't know how good of a story it'll be, but you'll see some comparisons, and you know, and if I'm right that it has something to do with the storyline, you'll start to see it in the show, which is so much fucking fun. I wrote in the Discord that I said this is the most fun I've ever had, hands down, with the TV show, because I love specking on Marvel stuff, uh-huh. and it's like when there's a big Marvel movie coming out, like we spec on it for a year. Uh, <laughs> what could it be? What's going to be? And then in two hours. We have all our answers and it's over. <laughs> well, here with WandaVision, we spec'd on it for a year 
and we get to continue to do it every week and get new pieces and be right and wrong for like two straight months. Yeah. And that, like, that that's is so much fun. Well, and that kind of like we touched on that earlier towards the beginning of the episode about, you know, binging versus something coming out a week at a time. It is way more satisfying for it to come out a week at a time because that's the only way you get that buildup between like, like I remember back in the day when I was obsessed with Lost. It's like it was okay. it was fucking did you ever watch Lost when that was first on? I did, but it, no, not lot not week to week, no. So that show was very much like this where like oh, every yeah. episode it was a mystery. They they would they would like give you maybe an answer to one question but then present three more mm. questions in the episode. Mm-hmm. And that's the way Lost just kept going and then God. and then eventually like the- by the time they landed it it was like they left so many things unanswered that it was like, I could find a way to be happy with the ending of Lost. But like overall, it was like this was no the way J.K. Rowling finished Deathly Hollows, where she took every single loose fucking thread and tied it into a neat bow. Lost did not do that shit. <laughs> no, it did <laughs> but, not. But it did make you, me madly speculate week to week oh. in the same way that WandaVision is now doing. And I love that. Dude, it was like the... I know I, I I remember living in it and not being a part of the world, but it was like the ultimate cooler talk was yes. lost. Yep. Like, what do you think those voices, those whispers are in the woods? Like, what is that? Yeah. You know, like, who are these others? There's other people on the island? You know, it's just like, uh, when I watched it on Netflix, like, especially the first two seasons, I was just like, oh, God. And that's when you really thank God there's a binge format. But, like, you definitely <laughs> lose, like, getting together and, like, just – speculating and that's like that's like almost more than actually watching the show it's almost more fun than that (laughs) and that was like you know back in those days where it was like if you missed it when it was broadcast you're fucked Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's yeah which made it more just as more special to actually be able to watch it yeah like you had to clear the calendar like i can't do this because we have to watch this at eight o'clock tonight and it was an event yeah and I remember like if like the – there were times where there was like a like a tornado warning or some shit and so then like, oh, the local God. weather team would Or then, when the like, president had to interrupt yeah. your speech. And he'd be and like, like, fuck, fuck you. you. Like I'd be like pacing back and forth in front of my TV being like, fuck you, Channel 9. You better be fucking playing this again at 3 in the morning. <laughs> Nobody cares about a fucking tornado that's killing hundreds of people <laughs> right down the street. I put, put my show back on. I want to know what the fuck's going on in the hatch. <laughs> Who's in the hatch is it desmond you down there am i even getting that right was desmond in the hatch I oh yes yeah desmond was he desmond spent a few years in the hatch it was not a good time yeah is that the, was that the same actor that was the uh on no maybe not what was that series battlestar galactica oh, i never watched battlestar galactica oh, dude it was such a good show like i, I never finished heard. it but god the first couple of seasons was very well done it's that Portlandia sketch, uh, sketch that, that's one of the best Portlandia sketch. I mean, you know, there's like five good ones out of all five seasons total. But like <laughs> when they were good, they were really good. You ever see that one? It's called One More Episode. Uh-uh. Oh. <laughs> they just, they're, they're supposed to go to some like dinner party that they don't want to go to. Oh, that's funny. And they were like, dude, what's this Battlestar Galactica people are talking about? It's like, I don't know. We got, we got a few minutes. Just pop an episode in and, you know, we'll see. And then they watch it, and then like at the episode ends, they're like, "Whoa, that was so good!" It's like, "Should we go to this thing now?" It's like, 
how about we just watch one more? We just show up fashionably late. <laughs> and they're like, okay. So they watch another one and another one. And it's just like, now they have to quit their jobs, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, just one more episode. And then they get to the end of the series and they're like, dude, I need, I need one more. I need one more. <laughs> so they go and get the director of the show, except for it's not, it's just the guy that shares his name to try to make him make another episode. <laughs> And then they get actual Edward James almost to come over to their house and like try to sit down and write a script. <laughs> it's it pretty fucking funny. <laughs> you had to be there. Did you ever see the, um, this is kind of tangential, but did you ever see the Seth Meyers sketch where it was Jon Snow at a dinner party? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to look that up. Is it, is it from his TV show? Like his late night show? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, he's in like his full regalia from the wall. He's got long claw and everything. And like, people are just trying to make nice conversation. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, I have to check that out. I never watched that. Mark, you watch it regularly or just catch, I've catch literally only ever seen that one clip. <laughs> <laughs> So no, you don't watch him regularly. That is okay. correct. I wouldn't even know who the fuck Seth Myers was if it wasn't for that clip. <laughs> That's great. Oh really? You didn't remember from Saturday Night Live when you used to do the weekend update? I I was I watched Saturday Night Live a bit when I was when I was pretty young. So this would have been in like the early to kind of mid nineties. I watched Saturday Night Live kind of off and on, and then yeah. since then. No, like I'll, I'll catch, you know, like random clips and, and stuff like that online, but. Dude, late eighties and mid nineties was our like golden age SNL. Like a lot of yeah, people do like, much. Oh, Chevy Chase and the Eddie Murphy stuff. But like for us, like the Mike Myers in right into like the Will Ferrell era, like that was it, man. Yeah. Yeah. With like Adam Sandler on there doing mm-hmm. opera man and, oh, and canteen man. boy and shit. And, um, yeah, yeah, that that was back when I was watching like the the the, the Charles Barkley episode with Rob Snyder. He's like, you put your weed in there. <laughs> <laughs> God, I I really like Rob Snyder for who he is. <laughs> I really do, man. Like those those cameos he does now on those. I hate those terrible Adam Sandler movies, but like. Every time he's on the screen playing that dopey, some dopey character, I just I just start laughing. I don't know why. <laughs> so, like, what did you think of Hubie Halloween? Oh come on, man! <laughs> that fucking just makes me so mad that they put that shit on TV, man. But then I, I watched Hubie Halloween so much. Says <laughs> you loved it, dude. We watched it like seven times. Like as a I don't family. understand. It's so bad. It's, like, but I know it's bad. <laughs> it's like so. No. Sometimes no, no, stupid no, no, no. comedy doesn't work for me no. at all, and I can't fucking uh, do it. Like, I've never been able to make it all the way through Napoleon Dynamite. Just can't fucking do it. Yeah. But, like, Hubie Halloween, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was just because I watched it with my kids. Yeah, I guess it, kids, They man, were laughing so hard at it, but. Do you remember the PCL episode where they reviewed it? And <laughs> yeah. the three guests were, like, trying to find different ways to say it's the worst movie they've ever seen. <laughs> and, of course, Brian gets off on loving at the end going, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> you know, like, everybody's just dogging him for it. But, like, I, I can't. Now, 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 I watched the wrong Missy. And I'm expecting to hate it, and I actually fucking enjoyed it slightly. And I, 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 I that that actress, kudos for keeping that character up. Did you see it? I don't think so. The wrong. Missy. You gotta watch it. 
Yeah, yeah, it came out. It was the last Adam Sandler movie. It came out like two months before Hubie Halloween. Oh, it's an yeah, Adam it's not, Sandler movie? Yes. Huh. What what type of like genre is it? So the thing is, is he? It's David Spade. No, wait a minute. Never mind. Adam oh, Sandler's the David Spade it. movie. Okay. It's, okay. But it, I, but it's but it's Happy Madison. Okay. I didn't it's watch it. I heard about it, and and it's one yeah. that yeah, I'd be open to watching at some point. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. Don't watch it with the kids, but no, but watch it. <laughs> like like it's a, it's the first Happy Madison movie that I've seen, and and the last seven. That I was like, okay, I, the character is out of control. <laughs> like, he meets this this Missy at a bar, and like the very first scene, <laughs> she's walking in. He's walking in, and I guess it's like a blind date or something. And she's like, "Yeah, I'm this girl at the bar. I'm wearing this dress. Come and, and meet me here, or whatever." So he shows up, and like she's sitting there, and. She's, I don't know. The actor is probably a famous guy, but it's like a Jason Momoa kind of guy next to her. And he walks up and he's like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, hey. And he's like, yeah, sorry I'm late. And then this guy goes, excuse me, pal. And David Spade's like, hey, man, you know, she's with me. Don't worry about it. And like the guy almost kills David Spade. And then you see the girl in the background of the table laughing. <laughs> because the girl who's actually there to meet just set him up to go get his ass kicked <laughs> by this girl at the bar and she's completely out of control and obnoxious and like he's like oh god I'll never see her again and then then meets this other girl months later called Misty and puts her on the phone as Misty and then randomly texts her and says, hey, you want to go with me to this thing? It's a three-day thing for the company and it's the first Misty that he met and she shows up and gets on the plane with him. And then, of course, hilarity ensues because <laughs> it's the wrong Missy, you know? Oh, that's funny. It's actually pretty decent. It Just when her character's on the screen, it's it's I. It's hard to believe that there was a bunch of people on that set that could tolerate that level of energy from this fucking lady. I mean, it's impressive that they survived <laughs> the shooting of this because she kept and she keeps it up the whole movie. <laughs> That's awesome. Super impressive. Yeah. Um, the the what is it? The Happy Madison movie I saw that the one I always tell people to check out because it seems like nobody's ever fucking seen it is the one that he did with um, uh, Andy Samberg called "That's My Boy." Oh, I saw that's my boy. I thought that's that like, movie was fucking hilarious, man. He like sleeps with his teacher. Yes, that movie was so yeah. fucking raunchy. Yeah, it was. It was out of control. <laughs> I don't. I don't really remember it. But man, that sleeping with the teacher and all the podcasts I've been on lately, for some reason, that just theme comes up every single time. I mean, granted, I'm talking to Paul Hart too much, but he's always, <laughs> he's always pushing that the teacher on Hulu series, and I don't know, man, like. That's I, I don't know if there's game. such a thing as talking to Paul Hart too much. First, that's off. true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. It is an invariable, enjoyable time. Yeah. He's the only repeat guest on Smorgasbord. So, hey, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, we get you on there sometime talking about a show you don't even give a shit about. Well, like I said, I've seen a lot of the movies and stuff. So, dude, you know, watch you... Inner Light, and we'll do Inner Light. Okay, no problem. Because. Because I could talk about that episode all day. Write that down right now. That'll make you cry. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude. I swear to God, the older I get, 
the easier that fucking task is to. Oh my god, I watched this uh, David Duchovny's in and of itself. I don't it's, his name is not David Duchovny. I'm sorry. I just don't know the guy's fucking name. <laughs> Have you heard about this guy on Hulu? I don't it's, think it's so. It's called In and of Dude, you got to watch this shit. It's ugh, fucking A. You make me look this shit up. It's like <laughs> David Delgadio. He's a mag- magician and he's got this show and it's like a one-man stage play. And they recorded one and put it on Hulu. You haven't heard anything about this yet? It's like, wait a minute. I think I have heard about this. I think they might have been talking about this in the newest Heroes of Noise. They did. They okay. talked about did, then, then did that's you listen where I to just, that whole thing? Yes. Yeah, oh, I think well, I just listened mind. to it yesterday. It, it just ruined it for you then. <laughs> but it was a hell of an experience to watch that for the first time. I'm sitting there like tears are rolling down my face and I'm like, what the fuck am I even crying at? Like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I'm not sad. I don't know what this is. Like, why are these emotions coming out of me? But uh, I highly recommend watching that with your significant other. Like, it was a very – it's like nothing I've ever seen before. It was a magic show but where magic wasn't really – the main thing you were watching, it was just this guy telling his life story hmm. and it was fucking, it was, it's, it's out. I recommend it. Give it a watch for sure. It's even though you heard all the details from, from Dan and Steve. Yeah. So. No, it sounded pretty interesting when they were talking about it. Yeah, it was, it was good. I, I would watch it for hmm. sure. Yeah. Magic stuff's always pretty interesting. Did you, did you watch any of the magic for humans on Netflix? No, no. I thought that shit was pretty fascinating. I watched that stuff. I'm like, how the fuck would you do that? Yeah, all of this. I mean, like, even in this show, the part where the people are reading letters from their loved ones, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, it sounded like Dan was convinced that they were actors. To me, in absolutely no way they were actors. Now, is there obviously there's a way they did it where they contacted these people in advance and had them write letters to people, but the people that were reading the letters genuinely were fucking shocked. But the, I don't know how they did it. Clearly, there's no such thing as magic, so something had to happen. But or <laughs> or that's <laughs> <laughs> true. True. What the hell? No, I know I'm always wrong about everything. Anyway, it'd be so cool if magic was real. You know what magic I fucking hate. What? I fucking hate commercials where people are unlocking the magic with Oreos. <laughs> it creeps me the fuck out. What the fuck? I don't fucking no. like it. I don't like it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to twist it. Uh-huh. I'm going to pull it apart. No, I'm going to lick it. Yeah, but. It's fucking I, weird. I don't want your weird fucking cookie cunnilingus on my fucking commercials. Get out of here. But, but dude, like. <laughs> There's magic in there, and, and you want to you want to release. You can't just eat the magic. You have to unlock I, the magic first and let it free. I'm I'm not fucking mutilating my fucking Oreos Bro, before I wait, eat hold them. On, hold I'm on, just going to dip podcast. it in milk and eat it. I'm not. You I'm not twisting right it apart. Now. You're telling me you've been consuming magic whole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Joe, 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 Joe. You gotta you gotta go see somebody. You, the, you that's too much. You have to unlock the magic first. And, I, I will never. I will never unlock oh, the magic unless I'm doing it to make a double stuff Oreo, a quadruple stuff Oreo. Because that's what fat guys do. I'd hate to see the insides of you right now because that you cannot consume that much raw magic. Raw magic. Dude, speaking of Oreos, have you seen these Lady Gaga Oreos? 
I saw a picture of one online and I was like, well, that's a thing now, but I did not do any other deeper digging. Like, I don't know what, they, what flavor they are or anything. She's like, I, I need to get these Lady Gaga Oreos. And I'm, it's the first I'm hearing of them. So I'm like, <laughs> what are you saying right now? Like, is Lady Gaga releasing a product and they're called Oreos and they're earbuds or something and you want them? <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? And then she just sends me a picture of, like, pink Oreos with, like, green cookies. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's awesome. Cool. Pink Oreos. Thank you. you know, Thank you, Lady Gaga. I loved Lady Gaga in the hotel season of American Horror Story. I did. She was good. That was fucking hotel, rad, dude. That was a cool hotel, season. Hotel was a decent season. Way better than, than oh, my God. The, the, was it 1984? Have not got to that one yet. Oh, it's awful. I caught bits and pieces of it while my wife was watching it. It, I, just, it doesn't, it's nothing. I hate a, it. Dude, there's a shocking amount of shows that I catch bits and pieces of because my wife yeah, is watching sounds, the whole it's, thing. It sounds like it. Like every time I talk to you, are like, yeah, yeah, I saw five minutes of it. <laughs> the most recent clip. one is Girls on HBO. I've been catching bits oh. and pieces of Girls. My wife loves that. She was talking to me about leaving me for Adam Driver way before I knew who the fuck Adam Driver was. <laughs> Like this big nosed asshole, really? This is who the, this is who you're drooling over, and then of course now I get it when I've seen this bare chest. <laughs> now like, so what you need to do is next time you need to come out with your pants up really high, <laughs> like in that scene in Last Jedi. I got, be like you dude, like I those got, high pants, fellas. <laughs> I got news for you. I don't care how high my pants go, my chest ain't gonna look like that. <laughs> I'll, unless I put it around my neck, and then maybe, if if I can tie my waist around my neck, then maybe I can convince somebody that my chest looks like that. But that'd be making a fashion statement, right? Pants that go all the way up to your armpits. Dude, I used to when I like about ten years ago, I lost like two hundred pounds, right? Nice. And I was, yeah, dude, and I was I was losing weight, like I was dropping like three or four pounds a week, just like constantly. So I was constantly having to like go down pant sizes and all, and all that. And when I knew that it was time to, 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 to change, to go down is that like my belt was on the last notch. Like I was creating notches and stuff. And like, I was able just to take my pants and pull them up as high as I could because they were big <laughs> men's pants. And I don't know if you know, but like when you get to my size waist, for some reason, not only the, is the waist big, but like the crotch gets huge, which is weird because it's the opposite of big dudes because big dudes have small packages, at least I mean, at least me. So it's like the crotch <laughs> is like down to your knees for some reason. I don't really know why that happens. So I was able to pull my pants all the way up to like my nipples out, you know, once I was losing that weight. And what I would do was I, when I, like I said, I was dealing poker and I'd get on break and I would just like, once you get up off the table, you know, you have to walk, walk from one table to the next table that you deal at. And sometimes it's across the room and I used to work with a lot of Asian people, like a lot of people that just, you know, came over, don't very speak very limited English, but like you can deal poker or any casino game really easily. You don't really need to speak the language. You can do hand motions and all that. So it was really popular uh, position for Asian people that came over. And oh my goodness, like they loved me. Like I would, I'd get up and I'd pull my pants all the way up to like my nipples <laughs> and I'd walk and I'd walk to the next table and the whole time, I just all you hear is just like this roar of, of just 
giggling Asian girls. <laughs> just all the dealers dying laughing for me. And um, yeah, I can't pull my pants up very far anymore. But, <laughs> but yeah, there was this one lady named Mira. From, she was from Korea and she, she couldn't breathe when I did it. Like she would, she would have to like excuse herself for the table because she thought it was the funniest fucking thing in the world. So <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was good times. I had a big, huge weight loss at one point in my life and then gained quite a bit of it back. Yeah, man. So easy. Yeah, it's way too easy. Like <laughs> to the point where it's a real bummer. Yeah, it really is. Because I worked two years to lose those 200 pounds. Yeah. And, it, uh, God, I just feel like at 40, it's like everything hurts now. Whenever I start working out again, eventually I end up hurting something on myself. It's like, no matter how slow I go. So now my next thing that I'm going to be implementing is, well, let's just try and do yoga every single morning. Let's see if you can do that. If you manage to hurt yourself doing yoga, then you are. <laughs> it's like, so, so is that what you're doing now? That's what I'm doing now is that it's like, I, that's I, cool. I get up every morning and I just start with sun salutations and even just doing one routine of a sun salutation, sun salutation. It like yeah. has my heart rate elevated and I'm starting to sweat. And so my, okay. my goal is to work up to be able to just get to the point where I can just get up and every morning it's part of my routine to just do like at least a half hour or so of yoga. Nice. Me and my wife do the well, – for me, she does the senior stretching on yoga. And it's like a 20-minute thing on video that we do. And it's it's really helpful for me, man. I mean even even if I'm not going to lose any weight, I just feel like my body is, is a little more liquid, a little more fluid when I do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I miss the way that my body felt when I was, you know, going to the gym every day and stuff. And uh, I was doing really good there for a while. And then there's a couple injuries. And it's like once you fall out of a routine, you know, it's like your your body's going to jump back to the deepest groove. And the deepest groove was my all my bad habits. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's such a balance to, like, be like, well, you know. It's an excuse to like do nothing and, and, and self indulge during the pandemic and all that. And then it's like, well, now you got to feel like shit or just be happy that you survived 2020, you know, with your family intact and your health intact and be like, you can worry about your weight loss later. Just focus on the fact that you're getting through this. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of the same way I'm looking at it is that it's just not. Like I'm working from home, so it's like the last time I had any sort of like fast food type meal. It's been a really, really mm -hmm. long time. So I mean, my diet is better, but mm -hmm. it's like I'm still pretty damn sedentary right now. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm hoping doing something low impact like that's gonna gonna have a net effect. Dude, I I, I went back to work two months ago. We opened a new store. Oh, I work at Whole Foods again. I went back to after leaving them for a while, and. You know, I do like 15,000 steps a day and it hasn't done a damn thing for my weight. <laughs> Not one thing. Wow. I went from a year and a half of sitting around. I'm, I'm, I'm eating the same thing. We don't, like I said, I'm a vegetarian. My wife is a vegan. So we don't really oh, you're eat vegetarian? fast food. Stuff. Yeah, I'm a vegetarian. Five years. I, I was wow. vegan for four years. 
And then I, I said, you know what? Every now and then, if there's a little cheese and something, I'm not going to freak out. So I still don't drink milk. I don't eat eggs. I don't do any of that. But like, if there's like a butter ingredient in something, I'm not going to be like, well, I can't eat. I can't eat that. Like, I'm just, I just have to get over myself. Yeah. And every now and then, if there's a little cream cheese on a, on a, on a piece of toast, I'll be fine. But my wife is still vegan after mm. five years. So. When when I was eating my best and like exercising the best, like the uh, at my heaviest, I was like around 335 pounds or so. And at my lowest, I got down to like 200 on the nose. And when I was That's at 200. 200 is a solid weight, man. Yeah. And like I, you know, I, I could have kept going lower just looking at the amount of like, you know, body fat that I still had on me. But when Facebook reminds me now about how good I looked like seven years ago. Jesus so. Christ. Don't you get so fucking angry? Yes. <laughs> Dude, that's what happened to me, dude. I lost all my weight in like '09. So every year on the dot, they're like, "Hey, here," because you know, of course, when you're losing all that weight and like, you put I was single. <laughs> oh yeah, I was going out all the time and drinking and having fun and taking all these pictures of me and my friends. And it's like, of course, like every three weeks, another reminder comes through. This was you nine years ago. Go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> no, I'll see Facebook will have pictures of me like out in the woods with like a climbing harness on and stuff, and I'm like, fuck, yeah, fuck, yeah. It's like, and yeah. at that time, I thought I was, like, I didn't think I was, I mean, I knew I was in pretty good shape, like, relatively, but, like, like relatively to myself in, like, my own journey. But when I'd, like, look at, like, all the other guys that I was with that, like, rock climbed and stuff, I was like, these guys are, like, fucking 0% body fat, you know, ripped fucking dudes. And it's, like, like it's 100 degrees out in the summer and Joe's the only one climbing with a shirt on. <laughs> Like, like type shit like that, and it's like, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking off my shirt next to any of you guys. <laughs> yeah, dude, um, like even looking back at those pictures now, I was like, wow, I look good. I still didn't take my shirt off in, in front of anybody. Exactly. And so now I look back Weird. at those pictures and I'm like, wow, dude, look at the body dysmorphia you were suffering from in a way. Yep. Because I look at those pictures now and I'm like, oh, I would kill to be that skinny again. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because I used to even after I lost the two hundred pounds, I was still saying, eh, like a little fat guy like me, or whatever. And then be like, "Yep, bro, you're not you're not fat. What are you talking about?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot." But anyway, back then I did have days where I would have like an entire day where I ate vegetarian, and like my supper would mm-hmm. just be a whole bunch of like you know chopped up peppers and and broccoli florets and mushrooms, and and I'd just cook it in a wok with a little bit of salt and pepper and olive oil and. Man, I, I I I still my mouth will salivate when I think about how good those plates of steaming vegetables oh, sure. were. But last for the most part, roasty... dude, like to steal Sorry. a Bill Burr joke, for the most part, like something has to die every day for me to be happy. <laughs> like eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the opposite of that. I don't kill any. I don't even kill the bugs in my house. I pick them up and put them outside. So, oh, dude, yesterday yeah. I spent fucking nine hours smoking a fucking pork butt Ugh. on my yeah. on my smoker. Then, oh yeah, no, we we are a meat eater house here. I got a really good friend of mine that owns like a specialty like farm, and like we'll talk you know about comic book stuff and and he's like all right, I gotta go. I gotta slaughter these two hundred animals. I'm like, oh, oh. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you know what? When I was a kid, like I grew up around hunting and stuff like that, you know, growing up rural and, um, like the, the first time I shot a deer was with a youth youth license. So I was like 12 years old and it, it made me really sad. 
and, yeah. and I, I never went out deer hunting again. Um, I'll happily eat venison if my dad gives it to me because my dad, you know, bow hunts and muzzle loaders and stuff like that every year. But it, it, it just bummed me out in a way. Like I, I tried to pretend like it didn't bum me out, but I could not escape the fact that it made me really sad. Um, however, that feeling's not going to stop me from from eating meat. Like I would like to live in like a, a sustainable way, but I could never see myself doing full. I could, I could definitely never see myself doing full vegan. I'm just not that disciplined, but I could probably have full vegetarian days, but, but I don't think I could go full vegetarian dude. Like, Oh yeah. No, not even, I, I haven't even looked back in five years, not even a, a second. The only thing that sometimes like I think about is raising Cane's chicken fingers <laughs> and yeah, like, dude. like maybe like all you can eat, like already peeled shrimp, uh, yeah. you know, like a, like a big, like three pound plate with like a cereal bowl full of cocktail sauce. And you're just like, blah, blah, blah. like <laughs> that's about it. Like I don't, there's hamburgers are like, there's no difference between the hamburger that I eat and the hamburger that you eat. I promise you. Like, I don't care. What you're like, I'm a man. I could tell. I, I promise you, if I put an impossible burger in front of you, you could not tell that wasn't me. <laughs> so, so I can eat hamburgers now. So I don't worry about that. I was never a steak guy. Yeah. Never, never did any kind of pork, like chopped or. I mean, of course, if there was bacon, that's fine. But like, never pork chops or. Yeah, never really been a barbecue person. Yeah. So it's not much. It wasn't much of a sacrifice for me, honestly. Like when I was losing a lot of weight. I was doing a lot of chicken breasts, you know, like on the foreman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just like a can of black beans, like three chicken breasts. And I was I, I was completely fine with that. Yeah. Some Tonys on top. Like I enjoyed eating that meal. But that's why – that's honestly why I'm, I'm fat again because I can't eat lean proteins like that. Like there's only so much tofu you can eat. Like last night we had – I did like these charred – these Brussels, oven charred Brussels sprouts – I did some mashed potatoes with it, and we did like a tofu like steak, and it was good. It was good, but I don't want like tofu steak every night, even though I could eat chicken breasts like every night for every meal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, no, there's two. Like, <clears throat> like I love burgers. Like in the summertime, I live on burgers. Um, but man, ever since getting my smoker, like I am fucking obsessed with making pulled pork. Yeah, I can imagine. My stepfather got a smoker, and he's just like fucking king of the grill now. <laughs> he's got like all this. Yeah, you know how it is. You know when you get like you turn sixty and like you just learned something and had to do something. Now you have like the apron and all the books about it and all these like homemade <laughs> spices and rubs. And uh, oh, he's like totally into it now. <laughs> I haven't gone that balls deep, but that, that's yeah. usually what I do on hobbies. So I've, I've been trying to like, like since I've like fully recognized that about myself, I've been trying to like not do go so crazy on things. It's like, you don't, you don't need everything. Just, just get into something at an acceptable level. You don't need to be a fanatic about everything. Yeah. I, I tend to go, if I can't go like balls of the walls on something, like if I can't go balls of the walls, like the gym or eating like a hundred percent good, then I was like, well, I can't really do that yet. I'm not ready for that. So I'm not going to even do it halfway. And it's so dumb. Such a terrible mentality, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally really get you. Oh, so, yeah, bud. Uh, this has been a good time talking with you, dude. 
I, I really, really did enjoy this, man. I, 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 like I said, we didn't really have very much conversation in the past, but I really hope that changes going forward. And of course, if we get the chance to see each other again in Chicago, spend some time with you and the old lady. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. I can't wait till the next meetup. That's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, for sure, man. Hopefully, you know, I, probably not December, but I mean, obviously, if it's not December, then obviously it's not going to be in in March, right? I mean, well, it's going to have to be like. And that's the thing that I'm questioning with it. <clears throat> because it's like, why are you scheduling this for the end of December when you're regularly always, you know, somewhere right. in, in the March-April area, somewhere in there in spring? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just weird. Weird to me. Like if, strange to see. If you're trying to get it out there and, like, get it in, that's fine. But, like, if you're just going to wait four months, which is probably the best bet, better bet anyway – because remember, like February is like tomorrow or the next day. Yeah. And we're nowhere near in the clear yet. So just because you think that December 2021 is some weird future state of the world, it'll be here before you know it. And will you be ready to have a mass event? And the answer is probably not. That's a very More good More likely 2022 at your regularly scheduled time. So why not just wash your hands of 2020? Uh, actually, no, never mind. You didn't have to do that. You had the event in 2020. You were one of the very few things in the world that had a major successful event in 2020. So all you really did skip was 2021, which would be this a month from now, 2021, and just start again in, 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 in March 2022. You just you skipped one like everybody else in the world did. Is that you know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. that's no, it why, makes absolute sense to me, dude. Why not just do that? Because then I can actually go and want to go and be excited to go and not want to go December, fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. Chicago. <laughs> yeah, sorry, good. I'm from I'm from the south, bro. I don't. I don't it was 19 <laughs> when we went there last year, and I don't can imagine what it feels like in December. <laughs> it's probably was warmer. Like two, actually, two days ago, I think it was negative four when I got up. Fuck out of here. <laughs> I shit you not, man. No, and, um, fuck you. Like, I'm out. And uh, let's see. We're under a winter storm advisory right now, and we're supposed to be getting about a foot of snow this weekend. Is what they're So you work from home, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm remote. Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> out of Iowa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get well, the fuck it, out of there. Every time I see somebody digging their car. Around me. I, I really like Iowa otherwise. <laughs> Every time I see somebody digging their car out of their driveway before they go to work, I'm like, you know you don't have to live like this. <laughs> I, dude, snow can be a real pain in the dick to drive in. Uh, it, it, can, it can be a pain in the ass to have to dig your car out after snowstorms and shit like that. But it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And also, when, when, they're, when it is really cold and there's snow everywhere, guess what? There's not. There's no fucking bugs around. And that's pretty cool. There's no bugs here right now. Exactly. It's winter time. I don't have any snow. <laughs> you don't have it. You have no snow and no bugs. You're fucking kidding me. No, we don't have no fucking snow here. <laughs> I, it snowed one time last year. Huh? What? Well, yeah. Dude. Sounds like come you're on down to Chattanooga, man. <laughs> it's good, and it's hike. There's hiking and rivers. I know and you guys got mountains. the New River Gorge there in in Tennessee. Yeah, man. It's 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 a beautiful state. Like I wouldn't have picked it, but my wife wanted it to go, and I've done all my traveling, and she's young, so I'm like, hey, it's your choice. Wherever you want to go, let's go. That's awesome. 
I can do this from anywhere. And if I can't find a job, then I'll just continue to sell comic books. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, you got a plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, hell I mean, yeah, I would do this for the rest of my life, dude. If, if my wife wouldn't make me go to work and like say, hey, I want you out of the house sometime. So I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I guess I better go get a job. But yeah, I could I could sell comic books from my house and travel to conventions on the weekends all all day. I would love that life, but when you're married, you gotta you gotta do things that make everybody happy, you know, <laughs> not just yourself. Well, compromise is the, you know, healthy compromise is a key to a healthy relationship, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. She wanted to move to Chattanooga. I wanted to move to the beach, so we moved to Chattanooga. Compromise, <laughs> <laughs> and now we're happy. So it's perfect. There you go. You can't ask for much more than that in life, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I really appreciate you having me. It was a blast. Keep, keep in touch, man. Message me, whatever you want. You got theories on some bullshit or <laughs> whatever, man. You have a question about a comic book or something, like just let me know. Yeah, dude, absolutely. We got to do this again sometime too. This has been a real pleasure to talk with you. Yeah, and I've been listening week to week, so just just keep them coming if you if you have time, man. I I love for you to just keep interviewing people from the army and I learn about them and. You know, so I, maybe I can make new friends just from listening to your show and reaching out to them. And be like, hey, I heard you on Starcast. Like, uh, you're cool. You know. <laughs> well, thanks, dude. I, I appreciate the support, and yeah, I'll keep them coming. I mean, um, 2020 had me derailed for quite a long hiatus for you know obvious reasons, but but yeah, I mean, I don't I don't got any plans to to stop doing this anytime soon. So, I mean, it's, it's going to keep going. And then, um, you know, eventually I'll have my book released and then that'll be a completely different, um, uh, podcast stream where, where that'll be getting released one chapter, you know, a week at a time. So that'll be pretty exciting. That'll be coming sometime in 2021 here. God, that's this year, this year. Holy shit, man. That's such an exciting format. Like I, I never thought about, like I've listened to plenty of audiobooks. I love listening to audiobooks like when I'm driving. But like a chapter a week is fucking that's such an I never even I mean I guess other people do that. I've never even heard of that, but I'm I'm in 100%. Like whatever I got to do to be a part of that to support that, let me know cuz I'm 100% in. <laughs> nice dude. Thank you so much. I I mean I Definitely. I appreciate that support and and um you know I mean it just seems like that's the that's the smarter way to do it now in in the world we live in. So you know, I, I can bend with that. The most important thing to me is I, I just want to get the work out in front of people and, and, you know, hopefully people enjoy it. And, you know, the goal would be, it'd be amazing to be, you know, to, to make a, a, a living off, off writing stories. So yeah. whatever you need from me, man, I'm in. Cause I, <laughs> I'm, 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 and it's like you said, it's your, you're going to do your voice on the podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be me oh. reading all of it. And, oh dude, and everything. that's it. It's all you got to say, man. I'm, I'm there. So <laughs> awesome, dude. Thank you so much. And, and thanks for taking the time to come out and come on and, uh, all you out there, be sure and check out Smorgasbord. Um, you know, whether you're a Star Trek fan or not, you know, Steven and, uh, and Neil are really good people. And, and it sounds like even if, 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 um, you know, right now you guys are doing episodes and stuff, but there's gotta be a lot of people out there that have seen movies and stuff. So you'd, you'd think for sure that, <clears throat> that you know you'd you'd be netting some more people also when you when you when you get into like the the broader you know like the broader stuff like the movies and my fucking rambling do you get what i'm saying no, no, no i understand like <laughs> if i'm not just talking about a specific show on a specific streaming service that like nobody has yeah <laughs> once once i start talking about something else yeah yeah i mean 
you know, we do movie reviews of like old movies now since it's quote unquote the off season before the other store, the Picard season two starts back up. Lower Decks season two. And by the way, Lower Decks, man, you've got to check that show out. That's the animated one, right? Yes. Like even your kids would like that. What service like, is that? It, on? It, it's CBS All Access. Okay. And they just killed have that, that one. didn't they? they? They what now? Didn't CBS Access, All Access just go away in favor of something else or? Some I, I heard Brian say Paramount, but I'm still clicking on CBS All Access app and watching it. I'm still <laughs> okay, paying nice. for it every every month. So you so you don't have that? No, I don't have that one. I know a guy that maybe knows a guy. So <laughs> yeah, I knew a guy who knew a guy that, that helped me watch Picard. So because <laughs> I did yeah, watch the first go. season of that, that was great. Yeah, old Tony One Ball. I, I know him. He's got. A, he's got. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely check out Smorgasbord. And um, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been StartCast.